This episode is sponsored by Grizz Targets and Archery, hands down the best targets made right here in Alberta. I'm very thankful to have partnered with these amazing guys putting out high quality products. Their targets range in all sizes. The Backpacker is their most portable target, great for checking your sights while you're in the backcountry to make sure your arrow is still flying true. This thinner 12 inch by 12 inch target can double as a seat or a flat surface when cooking. Multipurpose like that is essential when packing light. When you want to have some fun testing your skills at long distances, the Kodiak makes for the perfect target. It boasts a massive 48 inch by 48 inch surface to assure you that you won't be digging in the grass for your arrows. It's also great for when your buddies and you want to shoot together without having to take turns. Grizz makes quality targets affordable with options for interchangeable cells that keep you from needing to buy an entirely new target when the bullseye gets worn. They also have options for frames and stands and targets for field points and broadheads. You want a target that's as tough as you? Get Grizzly Tough with Grizz Targets and Archery. Be sure to check them out at grizztargetsarchery.ca. This episode is sponsored by CND Archery. CND is Alberta owned and operated, offering two pro shops in Rosalind and Maleg. Owners Corey and Doug have more than 25 years of combined knowledge and experience to get you set up properly and to maintain your gear for years to come. CND Archery is Canada's only distributor of expedition bows. They carry tons of great gear that you won't find anywhere else. Corey and Doug support local by carrying many Alberta-made products from arrows to accessories. Get in touch with the guys on Facebook or Instagram today at CND Archery to set up your visit. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Slayer Calls. Bill Ayer, CEO and founder of Slayer, puts in immense workmanship and quality control into every one of his calls. Not one of his products makes it into your hands without first meeting his high standards. Slayer currently makes calls for waterfowl, elk, and turkey. Their double reed duck calls boast superior craftsmanship and award-winning performance with wildly loud sound. They have a full range of elk reeds, custom bugle tubes, and in my opinion, the best push-button elk call on the market, known as the Enchantress. This push-button call allows you to get a variety of noises, from great cow sounds to estrus buzzes and big location bugles when paired with the swagger tube. Slayer makes many other products, from goose calls and turkey reeds to lanyards, bags, and gear. They even have online courses to get you calling like a pro. Check out everything they have to offer at slayercalls.com and call the wild. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Precision Edge Taxidermy. Owner and operator Hunter Friesen from Stetler, Alberta puts outstanding craftsmanship into every mount to turn your most memorable stories into conversation pieces for your home. Precision Edge does everything from Euro mounts to anything big game, along with waterfowl, small game, and everything in between. Next time you connect with a trophy, connect with Hunter at Precision Edge Taxidermy. Find his stunning array of work on display on Instagram and Facebook at Precision Edge Taxidermy and contact him today. Welcome to another episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories. My next guest, Kyle Short piqued my interest not only with his incredible experiences in the outdoors, but also with who he chooses to share them with, family and his closest friends. Kyle is a father of two, a hunter, a fly fisherman, a climber, 
and isn't afraid to go solo into the backcountry when he needs it most. You can find his content mainly on Instagram under at Shorty's Vagabond Adventures. Kyle, how are you doing today, man? Hey, Van, how's it going? Good to hear from you. Yeah, thanks a lot, and thanks for uh, coming on today. I know it's a little bit difficult over the weekend trying to arrange everything, but yeah, I really appreciate your time, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, no problem. I know everyone gets busy, and, and you were sick, and family yeah. stuff, and I was taken off, and yeah, whatever. Just glad we got the water done. Absolutely, and that looked like it was a good time. So you were just out uh, fly fishing for some cuddies there, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I've been... Uh, I've been watching too many Instagram stories and everyone else out fishing and I just had to get out and yeah, just get away. Just me and my dog and went out and did some fishing and yeah, just enjoyed being out there, man. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, uh, what's your dog's name? I see that you, you call them like hurls. Is this her name or his name? Hurley or something? Yeah. His name's Hurley. Yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, he's my best buddy, and, like, yeah, he's getting pretty old, and he's been on a ton of adventures. He's been out in the mountains with me a ton, and he's always there fly fishing with me. But, uh, yeah, he's he's just about 14 years old, and I'm sitting here watching him around. He's licking his paws because uh, walking up and down that river and going those crossings, it's getting – it might be his last year. So, I was, it was a pretty big uh, – yeah, it was a good day for me to be hanging out with him and, yeah, just mm -hmm. being there again. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I didn't, like, even from the pictures and videos, he does not look that old. I was thinking kind of the opposite, that he was, like, younger, almost puppy. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, no, he gets that a lot because he, uh, well, he, do he doesn't look that old. But, man, like, <laughs> a few of those streams, like, we were crossing the river a couple times, and, and uh, yeah, his hips are going out a little bit. And so, yeah, he's he's done well. And, uh yeah, no, I was just glad he could be along and, and I dragged him along and me, it's always fun. I'm always yelling at him and then giving him love and it's, it's frustrating, but yeah, he, I wouldn't, yeah, he's my best buddy. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Man. And you're, uh, you're here in the city too, like Edmonton here? Yeah. I'm or just West. Grove, I'm just West. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I'm out in Spruce Grove. So nice. parkland zone here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. what are you doing for work nowadays? I was trying to figure that out. I think we talked about that. Uh, yeah, no, so I'm like, by trade, I'm an electrician. So I did that most of my life. And then, um, well, about a year ago, I transitioned and moved into a company called SMS and been doing work there and moving. I was just a facilities guy there. And now I'm slowly moving into a, some project kind of work. And it's really cool. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm getting to go traveling a little bit more. And I'm actually heading down south right into the heart of, right into the heart of the cutthroat cowboys here coming up in the next couple of days. <laughs> nice. so go steal all their spots and catch all their fish. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hopefully you get in touch with them and make something happen. That'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I've been ragging on them for wearing those, those, uh, freaking waiting skins. So, but you yeah, know what? Good. Yeah. I was ragging on them, but you know, what's hilarious is I, I, I did, I did message them today and said like, you know what boys, like, I got absolutely hammered by horseflies on the weekend. So I, oh, about, you know, as much as I didn't post it, I wish I had a pair of those silly looking wading skins. Yeah. It's tough, man. Cause I've kind of done, I've done all of that same stuff where I've worn the, the heavy waders that you're like sweating in and you're like cursing yourself for wearing them in like the heat, even if it's just like plus 15 plus 20 or like, Hey, this is too much. 
Yeah. And no. then I've done the like wading socks, wading shoes, spandex pants kind of thing. And yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. That seems yeah. To be I, that's how's that work? Is that the same idea as what those skins are or what? Like, I don't know. I just, I never bought the skins. I just bought a pair of like wading socks. And I mean, even then it feels like I don't even wear those sometimes. I just have some like Gore-Tex shoes and I, they can dry pretty quickly. So I'll just run the like Gore-Tex shoes with some like spandex into the water. And then it's just the spandex to me just dries really quick. Right. So I'll wear like swim trunks with like spandex under them. And then yeah. like, that just dries really quick and it just helps keep some of the cold off. And then, yeah, I don't know, that's, what, that's why I got the wool. I don't know, man. I'm a, I get, I get a little bit dirt baggy when I get out into the mountains and I just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I got a pair of wool socks and some old Converse and like, yeah, shoot, I can wreck these shoes. And the wool seems to kind of keep, once it gets wet, kind of stays a little bit warm. I don't know. I, I could be an idiot and should, I'll probably end up getting something a little bit cooler at some point in my life, but. I we'll just see. I have a tough time because it's like no matter what you do, it's like it's going to get wet. Like your boots, if you're waiting, you know. So yeah. as soon as you get out of the waders, like even those waiting pants that they have, like I'm interested in them, but they're still going to get soaked, and you're going to have to dry them. And you know, there's yeah, they always must, they must dry good, or I don't know, they must dry fast or something. But it's probably something like that where they're like insulated enough to keep you really warm, but not too warm and breathable, but can dry like it's probably something crazy with the fabric it looks like it is with the fabric but yeah i'm, well, I'm sure to... i'm sure they'll listen to this and be like wow well, here it is boys yeah so <laughs> yeah so i'll be down there I, I mean in that area anyways not not right i have no idea where they go fishing but i'm heading down yeah. to into that crow's nest pass fernie area pincher creek and yeah so i'm excited to do a little fishing taking my kids for a little vacation down there so yeah nice and yeah. so your kids, do you have two daughters? Is that what it is? I didn't yeah, know. I yeah. No, that's bang on. Yeah, I got a couple couple young girls. They're 12 and 11. So uh, That's awesome. I just seen yeah. you. Uh, you handed down your one rifle to your 12-year-old, I believe. Is that what it was? Yeah. No, well, it is to both of them. So that that was my first yeah. first rifle ever. I got that 243 when I was 14. And then... Um, yeah, I, it's a funny story because, well, I guess it's not funny. I lent that two years ago. He's probably listening in or he will be. I lent it to him to go antelope hunting and uh, he takes it down there and he got all excited chasing an antelope and tripped in a badger hole and the rifle went flying and snapped the stock right off. So, no yeah, yeah. So this is this big nostalgic, my first ever rifle. And he's, he's sitting there with two pieces. And then, so anyways, <laughs> um we'll chat more about my dad later, but he's pretty awesome. And he, he heard about it and was talking to me and, you know, he always, my dad loves passing things down, right? Like rifles and things That's like that. Cool. He calls them. Yeah. Yeah. He calls them his late, the legacy thing, like the legacy <laughs> rifle. So, so he said, well, we, what we'll do is we'll build a stock for, for your old 243 and uh, it'll be like the legacy rifle for the girls. So, um, no way. So yeah, that's yeah. So that stock is I don't know. I don't know. It's some sort of walnut. I should know more about it. I'm man. You'll you'll find like I'm not much of a gear guy, but yeah. So he he got it all set up with one of his gunsmithing buddies, and they sighted it in and built some custom loads. And yeah, so uh, yeah, we took my daughter out, and she well, both of them have shot it. So wow. And uh, yeah, and then yes, yeah, so then yeah, I'm sure maybe we'll get into it a little bit, but yeah, she. Uh, 
she took her first year with that rifle, which was Ben. Like, huh, quite the experience. Man, that's uh, unreal. That has just like a lot of just personal value to it to yeah, have it with even like hand loaded and everything and just all this stuff and like stock made with yeah, your dad and like their grandpa and you know, everybody at the shop and everything. That's just so cool to. Yeah, yeah. Like, not many people can say that, you know, that it's like not only a hand me down, but it's been like so customized from family members and stuff too. And everyone's had like their moments with it. Like, you've had your moments with it too. Like, that's yeah. I have have stories with it now. They can put some story. Like, I'm kind of a big dork that way. Like, I have, like, I'm not a gear guy that has like a pile of cool guns and any of that kind. I got like one rifle that I use for everything that's got all my stories in it. And, same thing with this thing. And now I want to pass that on to them and maybe they can pass it to their kids or, you know, yeah. Cool. Bit, of, bit of a softy kind of dork that way, but I, I love that stuff. So. Well, and I think especially with like firearms, like it's, it's one thing with bows. I find bows are a lot harder to do the passing down thing just because there's wear just like, the, yeah, the wear and tear. Yeah. Like the longevity of them. And then you see like some of these rifles are like, I mean, heck, you can still get like war memorial collectible rifles that will still fire around if you put one through it. And it's like, holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, um, they're pretty neat. I, I watched a guy with a, why did he have it? One of those M1 Grands at the range yeah. one time. Those, those full, like the Saving Private Ryan ones, it like shooting and that magazine pops up the top. Yeah. So that was pretty, that was pretty cool. I was like, man, wonder what the stories that thing could tell. Like yeah, maybe man. if it, like it could have been just one that just sat in a crate, but maybe not. So. Yeah, that's the eerie thing about it for sure. The cool thing. About yeah, I it. guess I guess also eerie too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. But it, yeah, it's just nuts yeah. to think about for sure. Yeah. But uh, so now that your daughters are old enough, you're starting to get them out there. And like when they were younger, were you getting them out fishing and everything too? Probably by the sounds of it, yeah. like, were you just supposed to get them in the outdoors regardless as they grew up? Yeah, my kids are like I. You know, like I'm a single dad. So like my kids just get dragged along on all my adventures. And I mean, I think they like it, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I take them at, like, I've been taking them since, uh, man. Well, like I can still remember shed hunting with my daughter and her back. Like I just threw her in my backpack and she was maybe like, she, I don't know if she could walk even really yet. So like since that age, I just drag them along to everything. And then um, yeah, like, I take them fly fishing. Like I think my daughter caught a, her first cutthroat on a on a fly rod when she was, I don't know, maybe seven, six, seven. Like just no way. Yeah, yeah. Like totally. And it's it's one of those things. Like you know, like we like I heard you talking fly fishing and how like some people don't. Uh, what was it? You're just saying they don't. They take it for granted when you just take them to a place and here, you know, here catch this fish and throw it out there. And like yeah. like me, like I had to. Like I, I think my first fish was at a stocked pond with a with a fly rod, and I was so excited. It was just like a seven or eight inch little rainbow, and and here I am mm-hmm. taking my kids. They don't even they don't even like they're sitting there just like oh playing. They're flipping rocks, and they don't. And I'm like you know, they're catching like a 16, 17 inch cutthroat. And <laughs> oh cool, yeah. all right, let's go, let's go check out some more rocks, Dad. But yeah, so yeah, I've been I've been sorry. No, go on, sorry. I was just saying, I've been dragging them along for, yeah, forever. Like I, they still remind me, I took them one year out to the, where I was hunting in the bow zone and I just, 
I had them. So, and it was, I was running out of time. So I said, like, kids, you're coming with me. He threw on their snowsuits and, uh, like they were like fluorescent pink and orange snowsuits. And I think looking back, like, man, I can't believe I did it, but I saw some, some deer out in the field and I put my kids up on this really high hill and I just said, you guys stay here. I think they, they would have been like five and four. It was ridiculous. And I just stayed, let them sat there and I went stalking off on this deer and it was starting to get dark. And I didn't, I was like, Oh man, maybe I should get back there. And I get back there and they were crying because the coyotes were howling and, and they were worried okay. that I was going to get eaten by a coyote. And so, yeah, I've been dragging them along for a long time and, and, yeah, maybe that wasn't the greatest idea, but yeah, they, they're here. They're, they're out, they liked it, I think. Oh, yeah. And I think it, I imagine that just it gives them that experience that I don't think a lot of kids get these days. And then even to just like, I think it, it's an admirable thing, right? Like they can really go, like, oh, it's so cool to like, you know, see my dad like still out there hunting. Like there's not a lot of, you know, just in general people hunting nowadays i'm sure yeah there's still tons but it seems like the vast majority aren't well yeah like, like not, of society like i think in our yeah in our society like especially like my kids live they live in saint albert which i always bug them for living in saint albert but yeah, yeah like not not <laughs> a bunch of ritzy ritzy ritzes but yeah they um yeah they they don't have any i don't think maybe one of their friends has a parent that hunts and very few of them camp, very few of them get out and, and adventure and get outside. And so, yeah, like, I think it's, it's kind of my thing I get to do with them and take them out and show them the things I love and, and uh, yeah, like just share it with them. Like, that's always one thing, like, you know, like things I can give my kids that, you know, it's like it, these experiences that I hope, like I, I knew I loved when I was a kid. So that's what I'm trying to, yeah. trying to do with them now and take them out and, yeah, just go camping, go climbing, do just do as many adventures as we can and uh, just expose them to the things and passions I love. It's, it's part of what really drives me. And I think that's like you create absolutely like lifelong memories and bonds that way. Like I think that's something people don't realize either. And if, if I remember, it was like Spencer there that was saying, uh, Spencer Miller, he was like. Yeah, yeah, that guy's awesome. I, I yeah. you know what's so sorry yeah go ahead I'm just such a rambler but go ahead no no that's okay I was just gonna say like it was really cool when he made that one point that like yeah they forget about like what toy they you got them like whatever day ago or whatever they'll forget about that so fast but like two years later they're still talking about like the fish they caught or something like that you know it's like unforgettable life experiences that you remember ah. into adulthood right yeah yeah he's so right man like and you know what I, I saw him the other day he was out camping with this I think it was this kid in the backyard was that right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like, like testing out some of his gear or something. I yeah, think he just got like, some new mattresses or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was I, like, yeah, he's bang on, man. Like the kids, they remember that. Like his daughters can remember like sleeping outside in the backyard with dad and then going to adventuring with him. And and yeah. and yeah, they're not going to remember like, oh, well, maybe maybe they'll remember like some ex extravagant toys, but like, I don't know, probably not. It's just funny because I think like, you know, you're you're like, I, I'm in the same mindset that's like, well, we're going to go do this because I like doing it. And hopefully you like to as well. Like, I think all of us want to support our kids in whatever they they want to do, you know, like, and you don't want to force them to be a certain way or do a certain thing. But I think sometimes we cut ourselves short because, yeah, when we're out there doing that, they're like, do love it or they do take some 
memories from it. And I just think like, if you're not out there doing that with them, like who, we don't even know who it, like who would, you know what I mean? Who's going to take your kid to go hunting or go fishing or something, you know, it's so, yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of things now where people are trying to do stuff with schools and stuff that I've seen. That's really cool. But you know, I, I think there was one that's that it was like Jason and I forget his last name and Lisa Roper that were doing um, like a program with a school and they're getting all okay. these kids in the boat fishing. And I'm like, man, it's just, it's so cool to see that stuff. Cause yeah, it's, like, oh, it's, it's huge, man. I think it's awesome getting kids out and, and uh, yeah, like that's like you said, like who else is going to do that? But like, I, don't, I wouldn't want anybody else to do that with my kids. I love doing that stuff with them. And, and, and yeah. it sounds, it's such an old man or old person thing to say, but like kids these days, like my daughters, <laughs> like it's for, it's true, man. Like my daughters are as bad as anybody with their bloody phones. Yeah. And, and they will sit there, you know, like my daughter will sit there and just stare at her phone for hours if I let her, but I took them out like every time you take them out and those phones kind of go away for about 20, 30 minutes, whatever, they, they kind of forget about it and they start playing and adventuring like the kid in them comes out and like, you know, like that's the same with me too. Like getting out there, like when I was going fi- like fishing this weekend and, and even when I just get out to like, when I go out just solo camping or doing whatever I do, like, like I, all this technology and all this world like instagram fades away and like and uh and yeah we're kids again or they got to be kids again and they're just playing and 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 building forts and and using their imagination and yeah that's such a cool i just really enjoy that like perspective over that outlook because i 100 percent align with that or feel like that where i have this like same way i feel very much like I have my whole life, I've always had this like childlike sense of play and enjoyment. And like with whatever yeah. it is that I'm doing, I'm always like, it's always, I don't know, maybe I don't know what it is. Like that, that inner child like never leaves you. Like even when you grow up, it's like, it doesn't mean you can't like go and enjoy yourself and like go outside, enjoy the outdoors and stuff like that. And it's cool that like, yeah, once you put the phone down and you're in the outdoors, it's like, you can just have fun again. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, or whatever. You can, yeah, you know, be goofy and run around and do whatever. And yeah, just yeah, enjoy. it's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 the fountain of youth, man, for real. You know, there, and and I don't know, like it keeps me young. Like I'm getting older here. I just turned like a really horrible age here just a week or so ago. <laughs> oh yeah, so, I was happy late birthday. I think I see oh, someone July first or something or second. Uh, yeah, June thirtieth. Yeah, forty. Man, I, I hit forty. Quite the day. No yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's you know what? I was, I've been chatting with some friends, and they're like, "Yeah, it's just a, it's just a number," and and it's just saying what you just said. Like, it's so true. You you feel like I feel like a kid out there sometimes when I'm playing and splashing around in a stream and flipping rocks, trying to find what kind of bugs are under them, and and yeah like honestly like half the time like even out on the mountains and stuff like whatever i'm doing if i'm out sheep hunting like most of the time i'll be flipping rocks me and my buddy we flip rocks looking for fossils and we should be looking for sheep and yeah my like record on sheep really plays that out but um oh man they're my nemesis man like i i i could tell you stories of sheep got away and when i should have been there and i wasn't there and like i don't know i'm like the one guy 
like I've had I've hunted with two different groups. I got my like my one buddy he's moved away and he's got two. And yeah, I don't even want to talk about those stories, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then last year, I guess. Oh, whatever. I, I mean, I was pretty happy for him. Um I went out, I think I was out five or six days. And my buddy just stayed a little bit longer and he got his ram, big old giant ram on like day eight or nine. No way. Ten. Something like that. Yeah. It was a few days after I left anyways. And yeah, one of those things, right. It's just time and events. Like I I've, I've zigged when I should have zagged and <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been bouncing around in the back of army trucks, but I should have been out hunting sheep, but whatever it is what it is. Right. So. Oh, it's so yeah. tough. And I think that's a, one of the toughest things with the everyday people like that. Like I know even for myself, like we don't, get to hunt every day of the season like we're lucky if we get certain days of the season even like entirely of a full day you know or get to even camp somewhere like overnight for a couple nights or something you know it's like you know it's a yeah. lot harder with some jobs and you know everyone's kind of tries to make the best out of what they can out of their season and what tags they can try to fill and stuff and it can be really like you say you could be really hard on yourself and be like oh i should have been here at this time or if i was only there at that time doing this and so easy to beat ourselves up over that kind of stuff but oh yeah the coulda woulda shoulda is right but like i'm i've kind of accepted my fate when it comes to the sheep gods and i feel <laughs> i feel like if i suffer a few more hunts i'll they'll they'll throw one at me i'm hoping but yeah it'll happen i'll be watching out for it i'll be hyped when it happens oh man <laughs> oh i don't know what's gonna happen i'm gonna do a backflip and cry or something yeah that's funny, man. It's when you mentioned that you just turned 40, like I myself, like just turned 30 this year. And oh, I don't know yeah. in the same instance, like, and I don't know if this speaks kind of similar true to yourself, but it's like, I don't feel 30 when I feel like I imagine like, you're probably like, Whoa, 40. Like, I don't feel <laughs> 40. like, you know, maybe like, I don't know. I feel 30 and like my body aches in a totally different way than when I was 20 for sure. But Oh yeah. Yeah. But no, it's true. Like, yeah, you feel it's, it's all, it's your, it's your mindset, right? Like what, what, how old are you in your mind? And yeah. Yeah. I think that even changes. Like when you hit 40, you're like, no, I don't think like a 21 year old anymore or even like a 25 year old, but yeah, like I want to adventure like one, that's for sure. And I want to still do all the things I did. And that's like you said, like your body tells you, no, man, like, <laughs> like even that whole that full day like at, at you know full days of like rolling around in the mountains or out hiking or even like fishing and stuff and going across that stream like i was out all day there and yeah yeah felt great to lay down i'll tell you that much i felt all those little aches and pains but yeah mentally mentally i'm still i don't know a kid and most people would say like yeah man like you're definitely definitely a kid at heart that's for sure like <laughs> yeah and that's an important my thing. maturity level sometimes isn't 40 that's for sure but yeah <laughs> working on it working on it but like it's like yeah mindset isn't 25 which it's like it's tough it's always a toss-up because i feel similar like sometimes i feel like my brain overthinks where i'm like thinking about stuff as if i was in my 80s but then i'm like also thinking about st yeah it's it's all over the oh. place it's, it's, yeah the, keeping track sometimes feels like ridiculous you know <laughs> sometimes i wish yeah, we just man. didn't keep track of our birthdays and we we're just like yeah whatever forget about it oh yeah <laughs> whatever yeah it's another day that everybody wants to sell like i've never been big on it but um 
but you can't fight it, man. Time gets you. So yeah, like that's why I'm saying, like I'm like, like those aches and pains. I'm trying to. <laughs> Some people when I tell them how long I've been hunting sheep, they go, "Oh, you still haven't caught one yet? Eh? You better get going." And yeah, like man, it's not because I'm not trying. Like I'm listening. I listen to you. Like I love following that uh, Quaid Bruce, the ultralight Quaid there. Yeah, and listen, listen to that sheep story of his man. Like that guy, like those guys too. Like watching him, I love watching his Instagrams. He's sitting there like trekking up and down with a giant. Like what has he got? Eighty pounds on his back, and he's just doing the stairmaster. Yeah, like you know, like I've put in my time and done a lot sheep hunting, but I, like these guys go hard, and and as much yeah. as they make a lot of light of the the stuff that they're like, yeah, like we're yeah, we're ultralighter. Right? I mean, man they're putting in the, the, the miles and, and like, that's the thing, like sheep, the, the sheep he got was like earned, not just like, yeah, it was maybe his second or third hunt. They, but he, they did make, he did make it sound like, yeah, well, we were there with a buddy and they got one. So then I figured I'd go back there and I'd get one. And then now we'll go like, it's not easy. And, and those guys definitely earned it. And like, I, yeah, it's, uh, I love listening to it, but I also sit there and go, man, I've gone, for like eight, nine years. And I haven't got one. And these guys yeah. go twice. Yeah. I've been sitting there like, I've, uh, you know, I don't get too worked up about it, but, but they earned it, man. And so good for him. It's, I love listening to his stuff. Man. He's such a character. That's what it is. Yeah. Like he's very comical and he's like humble in his own way. It's weird. Cause it's like, it's like he's, he's humble and he is, it's, I don't even know how to put a finger on it myself or like how to describe it. It's just, yeah always yeah like you said putting the effort in and everything but he's not like a take life too seriously kind of guy so it's pretty funny to kind of see i think that's the key man like that's that's the key to like i don't know maybe that's why i like him and like cutthroat cowboys listen to those guys actually all the guys on your the podcast like that's i was gonna say like one thing about this podcast that i really enjoyed is that it opens your eyes to all the other cool outdoorsmen and and well, women, I'm sure you'll hit that up sometime too, but there's all these mm-hmm. cool outdoors people out there that are just, you, you just see them on like Instagram or you see them on whatever. And then you get to hear them and hear their stories and their personalities come through. And you're like, Oh, that's cool. Or like, um, was it Spencer Miller? Like, yeah, didn't even know about that guy. Now I follow mm-hmm. him and wa- love watching his stuff and seeing what he shares. And, and, uh, and yeah, so like, pretty cool but yeah these like what i like about all these guys and most of the people out there that i follow and they're just like they're genuine guys that don't they really don't take themselves that seriously like i mean they take what they do seriously but they're not Mm. sitting there going like you know i'm i'm king shit right or whatever like they're they're pretty humble like you said and like you know the cutthroat cowboys listen to those guys like they're just characters man just bombing around down there slaying cutties (laughs) and Right, cracking jokes, like just watching them in their antics. Like I love that stuff, and those like those are the kind of people I like. I like, and I like wa- like following their stuff, and and like oh, a few that guy, yeah, like 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 the Cutthroat Cowboys, like him and his helical things, right? He's like helical or die or whatever he's he's saying. Like I'm not an archery gear dude at all. Like I I bow hunt, and I bow hunt pretty hard, but I'm by no means a, a good accomplished archer or know much about much so watching these guys and like he, he just tell like he was saying like man i loved like just pushing this helical life on people so yeah. 
no and this is so funny and i think like in the same way they say it right like in the pod when they're like oh like we're not sponsors a couple guys that want to have fun and we're not like professionals but i think that's like a really cool thing with a lot of the people that have come on so far and stuff too is that like exactly like you said no one's trying to be like king shit or whatever but it's it's really cool because it's like everybody's having these life experiences in this province that are like absolutely like life-changing experiences to be out in the wilderness and doing these kinds of things and yeah like the pilot guy you had on the guy who's a pilot yeah nick is so cool i I love talking to nick i said him and i still are in touch a lot like it's i really like talking to him so but yeah like that's like yeah they're 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 like common like people that are just doing awesome stuff and uh, and, and you're giving them that platform, man. That's pretty sick. Like, it's pretty sweet that you're giving that platform to people that come and just kind of, you know, share, share our lives and share like, you know, the experiences we have and connect that community. And, and yeah. yeah, it's pretty sweet. No, I appreciate that a lot. And it definitely, it kind of blows my mind as well, seeing it kind of all come out of the wood, woodwork. And like you said, it's not anybody trying to be something they're not. And nobody's trying to, show off it's like everyone's doing it for themselves and loving it when when i was interviewing nick and it was like right at the beginning and he was like yeah i've been guiding in alberta for like 30 years i was like oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm not ready to like talk to a guy with this caliber I'm like, <laughs> but yeah it was pretty funny. oh but you so are right like that's the thing is that like these legends are just dudes or, or yeah. women like whatever they're just normal people telling so- stories doing awesome stuff to touch on that as well i did want to just like really briefly throw out a little promo window that i do actually have a few ladies lined up in the month of july so that's something to look out for because i did want to have that diversity i know there's a lot of women in the province also hunting and doing amazing things and oh that's full of dudes so far but i'm real like killers out there yeah i know a couple Mm -hmm. of them that are just incredible hunters huntresses hunters hunting some of them don't like me and call huntresses ones i know anyways it's like i'm a hunter like whatever yeah I kill yeah. stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they do it better than me. They're unreal. Yeah, so oh, that's cool, man. Right on. But uh, yeah, so when you were saying, like, you know, when you started fly fishing, there's in a pond and stuff like that, like growing up, like, was it your dad then that really got you into hunting and fishing? Uh, or? Man, yeah. Like, <laughs> so my dad is like, I, I guess you could call him my hero a bit. Like, he was like larger than life as I was growing up. But, um, but he was still kind of old school, like not like me. Like I take my kids, I drag them to everything. Like my dad was, you know, it's I'm going hunting, I'm doing my thing, and and uh, kind of a rite of passage. As you go got older, you'd get a little like taste of it, like go for a grouse hunt, and oh, we'll go do some fishing. Or it wasn't quite as involved. And he maybe he'll hear this and be like, oh no, I took you on everything, but uh, <laughs> but he didn't. And to tell you the truth, my dad, like to me, was this like legend growing up and i think everyone's dads kind of are right so um yeah so the part of the legend of paul short was that he was this big fly fisherman when he was younger and and like it just gets me excited talking about it because he like to me he was like he was telling me stories oh yeah like you you know we'd come out like i'd find his his fly stuff and he'll be like oh what's this dad like all your fly tying gear and uh he'd be like oh yeah well you know me and my buddy joe we would we uh or i had joe or uh, whatever one of the guys we we went down on this trip uh down to montana and we floated in a couple of float things like this is in like the 70s right like in the heyday of the of the wilderness and he was down floating and he's fished 
every fly fished every river in Montana and Idaho and all over the place. And, and so like, yeah, like I, I always asked him like, ah, oh, you gonna, can you teach me how to fly fish or can you teach me how to tie flies or you can teach me this stuff? And he always would say like, Oh, absolutely. Someday. Like I will. And then like, honestly, man, like he, he wouldn't love me saying this, but he never did. <laughs> he, yeah. Like he, and, until I was, I don't know, must've been in my twenties and I begged him enough times and I'd finally seen river runs through it enough times. And like, I, <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, I'm such a like hopeless romantic when it comes to that stuff. Like fly fishing to me was like the holy grail. So yeah. I, I I finally got like you know what? Okay, they did they did buy me my first fly rod, and uh, it was like yeah for it was a, a you were talking about the TFO uh, lefty cray. That's what I had my first fly rod was like a Temple Fork lefty cray, and no uh, way. yeah, like a nine foot seven weight, and I was like oh cool like. I knew nothing about any of this stuff. And so yeah. I just, yeah, it's slowly like, you know, my dad, when he did show me like once how to cast. And so then after that, it was just kind of self-taught and by like just learning by failure really. And like sucking at it and not catching anything and going to stock trout ponds and learning how to tie flies and reading books. Like, honestly, man, like I just started reading books and, and bought like, everything I could get my hands on about fly fishing. And I read it for like probably a whole winter straight. And I tied a few really crappy flies. And, <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, frick, man, I'm just going to go like, screw it. I'm just going to go out to the mountains and start trying to catch fish. And I did not catch fish at all. Like that. <laughs> I, I took me a, fig- a bit to figure it out, like to, to learn how to read a stream and, and, and yeah, like there was a little bit of self-teaching and then, and then he just kind of like, I don't know. I still, I think I'm telling you, like I still remember that first fish, like first good sized trout I caught up in the mountains. Wow. And uh, yeah, we were up in, it was just, I was with my buddy and his wife. And I think a, a girl I was with at the time. And we were like, I don't know. Okay, let's just, well, that looks like a good spot. And we went down there and I, you know, I was like, okay, I'll drag this. I had this, I don't know, the black gnat fly and I dragged it through this hole. And the first drag I drove, I drove, I drove, dragged, I pulled it through, just kind of swinging it because I didn't know, like my head from my ass when it to that. I swung <laughs> it through this and I, just as it was coming at the tail end, like at the end of the swing, I saw this fish come up and I was like, oh, shoot, there's a fish in this thing. And so I went again and just the same thing happened. I saw that fish, like, you know, when you see like a cutty come out of the depths and it's kind of like, it's almost see it in my mind right now, the slow moves, it comes up and just slurps in that fly. And it was like a 18, maybe a little bit bigger cutty. And uh, it was up on like the Cardinal river, man. And that thing fought and I was losing my mind and I had like a seven weight, right? Like I, I was like, I think I had some three X on, like I ended up horsing the, the heck out of it. And I, I won and that like, but I was losing my mind. I couldn't believe it. I felt like, a, you know, like a kid, man. It was incredible. So yeah. And from then on, I've been just kind of addicted to that, that tug and like that tug is the drug they say. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think it's like, maybe it's funny because maybe he was like, 
waiting for you to like want it that bad that when you do it yourself you get like that much reward because even when you're telling even that story might like that i am literally like visualizing exactly how you describe that and i'm like oh yeah man that's like a hundred percent such a rewarding feeling and it's like once you get that and like you said the like the tug is the drug and everything but once you have that moment all of a sudden you're just like my whole life i am doing this now <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. It was such a cool thing, especially like as like someone who grew up in the outdoors, it was like, Oh, this is, this is something that blows my mind. And it's so crazy to hear people talk about fly. Like I was listening to Joe Rogan. He's like, I don't understand these fly fishermen and they're just catching yeah. these fish. And it's like, you don't get it, man. And that's okay. You don't have I to get it. I heard that exact podcast. I can't remember who his guest was. And then we're kind of beefing back and forth about it. And he was kind of like, yeah, I don't get the catch and release stuff. And it was kind of this very like aggressively, like I need to eat everything that I, you know, encounter. Yeah, something. And I was just like, well, that's cool, man. You just obviously aren't as cool as we are, us fly fishermen. And that's okay. <laughs> not, a, not a, like, it's okay, Joe Rogan. Like, you know, do your, do your, comedy and we'll be fly fishermen and be cooler than you so that's fine yeah it's cool that's funny it is, man. it's just like yeah sorry well i was just gonna ask you did you like do any other like spin fishing at all like growing up or would you just pretty much like i want to fly fish yeah so i don't like so we yeah we we definitely we did the classic walleye i think when i was young we'd, we'd go out to laxanan we had a little tin boat so we'd go out and catch some walleye and, and, uh, and then growing up, like we have a lake lot up North around Lac Ladish, So we, we nice. hit all, we, yeah, we have all the access to some really good walleye lakes up there. So yeah, like there's a place like, that's the same thing with like, look, like I, I sit here and say like fly fishing is the romantic epitome of all fishing and, and man, a good night with a jig and a minnow out on a good walleye lake. Like a, so I still love, I still love it. And it's, it's got its place for me. It's, you know, it's, uh, just if I had a choice, if you, if you said, Hey, here's a, here's a fly rod in a mountain stream, or here's a jig and a minnow and some walleye, I'd take, I'd take the mountain stream every time. Yeah. So, but still as enjoyable, we're still very enjoyable to be on a good walleye yeah. for sure. Yeah. But, so yeah, I, like you said, like I said, like, to answer your question yeah i grew up fishing that like that style too and and um yeah i, I still love it and like me me and my brother uh, yeah we got out on the weekend there my brother-in-law and then my friend and we got into some walleye and it was it was it was a great night the sun the sunsets are always beautiful up in those lakes sometimes oh, sometimes anyways but yeah it was a beautiful night and like yeah it was calm and catching walleye and like really like it's it is beautiful so yeah i enjoy i enjoy it all man i enjoy the, everything about the outdoors like yeah it's hard to, yeah it's hard to compare yeah but, yeah um, like sorry i get yeah. yakking man that's the only thing about this podcast you like sometimes you're just gonna have to just be like man <laughs> stop stop yakking so much like i just sometimes i'll just get going and i just don't shut up so that's Feel good though, man. that's what it's that's what it's about it's a, like <laughs> it's a whole thing of it and I'd rather hear you talking than me. That's, oh, that's really? Yeah, man. I'm curious to know all about your, like, how did you get into fly fishing? Whatever, man. Flip oh, man, I did. I kind of went in the opposite. Well, not opposite. Like, I grew up, I actually, my dad had a lake lot at uh, Lac Lanon for a long time growing up. Oh, no way. Yeah. And it was like, if I wanted to 
see my dad in the summertime, it was like, I got to go to the lake. And I was like, hell yeah, you know, I was like, that's all good with me. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty much every weekend, every chance he got, he was out at the lake out doing stuff in the outdoors or whatever. So all through kind of like end of junior high, high school for me was, yeah, go out to the, like every weekend I could in the summer, every time I could, you know, and then even same thing, it would be like if I was on summer vacation and had a week off work or something and the job I was doing in the summer, I'd, you know, talk to him and he'd be like, oh yeah, here's the keys to the trailer, go and stay out there with a couple buddies and go fishing and hang out there for the weekend kind of thing. So oh, perfect. That's awesome. We turned that had the same lake lot thing forever. And then, yeah, I just kind of randomly broke off into fly fishing when I was older, like in my twenties. I can't remember now what was the, I think it was, it was always there and I always like wanted to try it. And there was one time I tried it for a little bit, but I had no idea what I was doing and I didn't watch any videos or anything. I put it down pretty quick. And then I think like three years later, I came back to it and was like, there's a few different, I think like YouTube content creators that there's one guy tripping on trout. That's uh, I think he's from Australia or like New Zealand or something. Oh and, yeah. And he just had very detail oriented video. Like he was talking about like what line that he was using, like some, you know, his poly pro leader, his, you know, tippet rings and what tippet he was using. So I was like slow mowing his videos, listening to like what, how he was explaining his rigs. And I was like, Oh dude, this makes more sense. So then I ended up going out and buying a bunch of stuff and getting into the fly stuff. That hit up the same thing, just a bunch of the ponds around here at first until I started tying some of my own flies. And then once you start catching stuff on stuff, you tie like in some of the mountain streams, you're like, that's a whole nother type of rewarding fishing. Like that's like all new. All what a rush. Hey, when you, when you trick one of those buggers and like, sure they're cutties, like everyone's going to say like, Oh, you could throw a piece of lint, but like when you can yeah. tie a fly and trick that fish, even especially like a bigger cutty, like I've seen them refuse a lot of flies like the, and the river, like the North Ram, right? Like me and you were chatting about it. Like, yeah, it sees a lot of, a lot of flies. Like those fish see a lot of flies. So you know, yeah, it's, it's cool when you can trick them, right? And yeah, like, oh man, whatever. That's a story for another time. But yeah, like, I find like one time I caught a cutty on a tie, a fly that I tied on this old like slab piece of table that I'd built out in the middle of nowhere because I saw this fish and I was like, oh man, I need to catch it. And I didn't have any like, I'm missing the kind of flies I needed. I'd run out or I'd fed them all to the, the branches. And so I quickly whipped up a, like an elk hair caddis, like a real nice, like, I don't know, whatever. It's like, it's like my go-to fly that I can tie. Like if I need to get something out there quick and yeah. I threw it on and I went ripping back to this little hole. I couldn't believe that fish was in this hole. Cause I think people have been swimming in it, but it was this big old rise. And I, I ran back there and I caught that fish and it ended up being like a 20 inch cutthroat. It was like, and it's like just randomly in this big swimming hole that everyone like 30 minutes before people were in their dogs were in it. And then they all left and I was just drinking a coffee and I seen this thing no like way. rise. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. So I whipped back and I had this old, like, I don't know. I like doing like projects when I'm out in the woods. Like I like building stuff. So I built this table and then we'd found this big giant slab of stone. So I use that table as like my fly tying table and caught that fish. Like what a rush, man. So 
Anyway. That's pretty cool. That's so cool yeah. to just like on the fly, like yeah, on the literally on the fly make so on the fly fly fishing, man. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like so, that was that's one that'll stick with me. I was actually I was actually at the North Ram and I walked by that hole like this weekend, and I was like, man, just that was unreal. I can't believe that happened. And I've never caught a fish in that place ever again. I fished it every time I go there, like religiously. And I haven't even seen a rise in that. And it's like the nicest pool you can imagine, but it's so close to the campground. And yeah. So, so do you ever keep any of like the flies you died as like a memoriam to the story or like, you know, the I, first one you I don't know. <laughs> I got this tattoo, uh, after about a year, I got like a, a fly hand tattoo after about a I year. Love that. Yeah. I you know, it's, that, but I love that tattoo, but yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, it was, uh, it's a hell of a conversation starter. And like you, like, as you can tell, I love talking about fly fishing and hunting and all that stuff. So like I'll be anywhere and people are like, eh, what is that? And I'll be like, well, let me tell you about fly fishing. <laughs> so it's a great conversation starter. But yeah, I got this, this thing here. I gave it to the tattoo artist. It was supposed to be like a black gnat looking wet fly. Like, or, you know, like, I caught my first real cutthroat with and it just turned into what it is. I don't know what kind of fly it's supposed to be, but it works out for starting conversations anyways. And that's kind of like the memorial behind it or the memory behind it. Yeah. It like the memory was that, first. yeah, that was that first year of actually like catching fish and being good at fly fishing or good, good enough anyways to catch some fish. So, yeah. I like that. Cause I like tried to keep the first fly that I tied and actually caught something with. And then sure enough, it like ended up back in my box and I'm like, well, you worked once, you're going to work again. <laughs> so and it's, like, it's on some willow tree now, eh, or what? Yeah, <laughs> or do, you, do you still have it? <laughs> I think I still have it, but now it's like blended in with all the other same. It was. Oh, no. So oh, I was like, okay. no. Now it's going to be, it's probably blended in with all the other ones of like the same pattern that I tied or whatever. So I'm sure I could just uh, like take one of them out and be like, yeah, yeah. this is the one. But, yeah, <laughs> but I just. I had it set aside for a while and then I think one day I was going out and I'm like, no, you're going back in the box. I'm like in a rush and I don't have enough of those. So, yeah. Oh man, I never have enough flies. Like I tied a pile up, even this weekend I lost a pile of flies. Like yeah. just it, like the fishing, the fishing uh, where I like where I went or whatever, like on that, like the rivers changed. And so like every fi good fish I caught, I had to be like super precise and really tuck them in there. And man, did I ever lose flies? Like I lost probably like, eight or nine flies <laughs> wow so but whatever it's part of the game yeah no, make some more i guess yeah so you know it's a good thing when we buy material it's like in bulk <laughs> it's always in a lot of bulk. oh my word yeah i think i'm maybe like i'm actually sitting here like in front of my like me right now is a bunch of fly tang gear and like to go back to that like stuff with my dad like I like right here, like my box of my big brown box of fly tying stuff is my dad's original one that he just like, here, take it. So it's got this old, like 1976, the angler's book on fly tying and fishing and selective trout, like from, I don't know how old this thing is. Like it's old, man. What is this thing published in like the seventies? Yeah. Like 73. Like this is, this is how I learned fly stuff. So but, yeah that's so cool. anyways man that's so then, cool so, yeah so did you you got into the this this river fishing or the the lake fishing around here more well 
I just predominantly like I just went to the ponds and the lakes around here like with fly stuff just because it was like the closest thing to try at first. Oh yeah. So, yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just ran there to try it. And then once I started having success there, it was like, okay, next time we're like actually something I've never mentioned, my wife's uh like my in laws, like her family and her parents are all from Belmont in BC. Oh um, man. And so they actually moved to Edmonton like when her and her sister were like real young or whatever. And uh, yeah. So, I mean that there's always the like family trips back to Belmont to go to the lakes up there and go to the rivers, and everything around. So that, and it's funny, man, cause like growing up, same kind of thing. Like when we were talking about the kids and stuff, not maybe not being super aware of like how, how nice it is in, in the environments that they're in or whatever, and maybe not knowing like quite how to appreciate it yet or anything. One yeah. thing I found was, I made that drive through the Rocky Mountains so many times, and I've made the I've made the trip through like, I mean, a lot of Alberta's wilderness and through the Rockies and everything so much through growing up. And it wasn't until like early adulthood that I realized like this is like world class place, you know. Like I took it so for granted. Like I traveled a lot after high school and stuff, and I was going to Europe and China and stuff, and then I was like. Dude, like we have incredible stuff in Alberta. You it's know, the it greatest like, place on earth, man. We're we're the I luckiest never, people on earth. Yeah, and you take it for granted, right? It was so weird. It was like I would drive through that even then, like when we'd go to Belmont, we'd drive right over all these tributaries, all these rivers and everything. And I'm just like, Yeah, it's a beautiful view and whatever. And then once I got into more <laughs> of the fly stuff, I'm like, No, like I need to be down there and in it. Like, what am I doing? That's freaking world-class fishing right there. You know, I'm like, you're just driving over it. Like, yeah, what a, what an outstanding, breathtaking view. It's like, no, there's so many species of hunting and so much, you know what I mean? That's like so much stuff here, but. Oh man. Like, look where we, look where we live. Oh, just taking it for granted on um, how lucky we are to have the resort. Like we live, me and you, like we're in the Bozone basic. Like people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to come up and hunt where we get a goal. Yeah. Like we, you know, so sometimes you just have to kind of take a step back and be like, wow, we are super lucky. Like, I I mean, yeah, I, I I cry about not having got a sheep, but I've hunted sheep and there's guys out down in the States that they might, they might, (laughs) they might never get a shoot of sheep or even go on a sheep hunt in their life. And I, I get a go every year or whenever I can. And even if I don't get one, I got to pursue them. I got to be out there and like hike into places that are just awe-inspiringly incredible and, and see things that like these guys, like some people just never get that opportunity and we're just super, super lucky. And I, I'm trying as I'm getting older to embrace that and be like, Oh yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. You didn't get one, but look what you got to do. Like, it's pretty cool. Yeah. No, it's so true, man. And uh, I guess even then too, like flash forwarding from you doing all the fly stuff and being inspired from your dad with that, like it seems like he brought you the reins of hunting too. And there seems to be like a lot of really cool hunts you guys have done together. Like the, like yeah. one in the, the Yukon, like the caribou and stuff like the video, oh you, you shared like a video of that. And it's just like, and I think your caption under it or something was like, um, you know, don't share, or I don't like make these videos to like be some, you know, yeah, TV, TV creator or something. But it was like to just have that as a memory. And I was watching, I was like, man, what a sick like family memory you guys have. Oh. Sense, but 
I, I, I truly am lucky that like my dad has exposed me to that stuff and like taken me on something like that Yukon trip. Like I was, that's a once in a lifetime for me. Like I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a pretty, like, I don't like, you know, have a ton of like money and all that stuff, but like that trip, just the stars aligned. Like my dad retired and, um, Oh, that's, yeah, it's a funny <laughs> we have to roll it back a little bit. Like my dad was at the sportsman show one year and won a hunt to Africa. At, oh, no like, at, yeah. He won like a planes game Africa trip. And like, I grew up like, I'm such a like hopeless romantic when it comes to hunting. I grew up reading like death in the long grass by like, um, yeah. and by, I think it's capstick and uh, like, all these like books on the green hills of Africa and like all these books. And like, I, I love the idea of Africa. And then my dad wins this trip and it was with a plus one. And, uh, I, I think I just recently been divorced. I didn't have money. And like, it took a little bit, like it was the, it was paid for like the actual package, but then you had to, to get there and it was going to cost a fair bit of money. So, um, so he took my brother-in-law with him instead. And he offered it to me and I had to say like, you know, dad, I, I can't, like, I'm not in in the place to do it. And so he, he knew and understood and ended up taking my brother-in-law. They had a hunt of a lifetime. And, and, uh, and so when my dad came back from that and, and I think, you know, he, he retired from the government and started making a few more dollars and working in the private sector where he was, where he, you know, was working at the time. And he said to, like to me and my brother and said, you know what boys, like before, you know, things get too long here. Like, we'll, I'll take you on a, a caribou hunt. Cause he'd always wanted to go caribou hunting. And so, uh, I was up first and that's, yeah, that's how it turned out. We, we hit the, the COVID, um, I get like as much as COVID sucked and we won't need to get into that, but yeah. it, it opened up some opportunities for some, for some Canadian guys, like my, my, my dad and myself to get up to the Yukon at a, at a more affordable rate. And, uh, and so, yeah, dad took me up there and man, like, I, I love Alberta and <laughs> this is Alberta wildlife stories, <laughs> but, the, but the Yukon, man, yeah. like, like if you want like the wild, the wildness of the Yukon, it's almost like it's tough to explain. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild when you get out into like the, like some of the mountains, like in the, like. I haven't been to the Wilmore deep. I've been into Grand Cache, but like, say like, I don't know some of the, like the deep places in the, the mountains, like I've been back into like, in say the Yaha tender back in there. Anyways, like the Yukon is that everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and it's so untouched and like just going back there, man. And like that video I posted, uh, I did a whole video of the hunt and someday I'll get around to, to editing it up and making something of it, I think. But, but that, that hunt my dad experienced was he was 70 and I'll get into a little bit, but like, yeah, he was 72 or 71 and he wow. had just actually, yeah, he had just been diagnosed with, I'm sure maybe whatever. He'd just been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And wow. so, yeah, this was like probably a month before we left. And, um, the doctor kind of said like, Hey, it's not going to make any difference if we do things now or later and so go. And so we went up there on that hunt and uh, like, it was, you know, like it was, there were some emotions on that, like, you know, and like, uh, you know, it was very 
a, a very fixable cancer, but it was like, man, it's still scary a little bit. Right. And so. percent. Yeah. So we get up there and dad's obviously up first and we head off in that first morning and, and my dad had been walking and training, but I don't know, like for as much as you train for the mountains. And I think most guys who've hunted the mountains will know, like say the same thing, like that first few steps up a mountain or a bit of a wake up call. You're like, Oh, well I trained pretty hard, but like there's a difference when you start going up a mountain. So, uh, my dad starts up this mountain because we finally spot some caribou and we're on horse. Like it was, it was, it was dreamy, right? We drive, like go up this valley on horses and spy some caribou. And then <clears throat> my dad's expecting to be on the flats in the tundra and they're not, they're at the top of this mountain in this bowl. And so he's like, like the guide's like, okay, let's go get him. And it's just this young girl named Alex. And she was like, this is October and they've been hunting sheep and caribou and moose since what is it? July. They start hunting up there. Wow. So, so like these guys are with, they're just absolute mountain goats. Like this is like going down like a, like a walk in the park for them. So we're going up and, and man, that was probably the proudest I've ever been to my dad. And it's weird to say as like a son, cause well, I guess it's not weird, but like, I've never had to like, as a son, watch my dad, like really dig deep into like a place where like I did, I saw it his, look in his eyes about halfway up where he thought like, I could see him like, I'm, I can't do this. Like, I'm not going to make it. And like, he was like really tired and puffing. And I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, maybe try going 10 more feet. And, you know, I just guilt him in saying like, you know, dad, like, this is a big opportunity, you know, you know, you never know and all this stuff. And then you'd go 10 more feet and then he'd take a break and the guide would be like, you know what, Paul, just, she'd be like, just get up to that, that little rock up there and let's just have a look and see where those caribou are from there. And so we got that all the way to the top, such a team effort. And he like pushed so hard and we snuck around and it was just a, a picture perfect uh, ending. And he, he gets his caribou and, and yeah, I just, it was, it was, uh, yeah, like, you know, like that, like I said in that video, like, like it was a dream come true. And it was just like, I was so proud of him. And like that memory, like I'm sitting here now, I'm like, I have a, a caribou mount that, well, eventually I got one too. And, and, uh, but like, I just remember all that, just even talking about it gives me a bit of like shiver, like I get excited and yeah. So yeah, man, like my dad really was like, yeah, he really like he made me proud that day, and like he like it was like he lived up to the legend, I guess a bit. So, well, especially at that age too, man, and with all things going on too, because you're mentally worried about your health and stuff too. Like, yeah, that's uh, so, yeah, so crazy. Yeah, and like, oh man, <laughs> that freaking that night too. Like, like I don't uh, not to drag the story out, but like we <laughs> we get that caribou and we split it up with my dad. I think he just, he didn't take anything, but like the, the guide. And then there was a young guy there who was even more of a mountain goat. And he was like, he took the head and the heavy stuff. I took a bunch of meat and Alex, she took a bunch of meat and uh, we head down. And by the time we get back to the horses, it's like, it's almost dark. And so yeah. she, like, she goes like, she's this experienced guy. She's like, we're not going to try and pack this caribou because it's too, there could be a train wreck if, if something tickles this horse the wrong way and we got a caribou on and then, you know, so we just took horses back, but it's like, man, I am 
it's pitch black. And I, and my dad, he kind of hunted the Yaha Tindo on horses his you know whole life. I did not like, I'd been on a horse like three times. And so <laughs> here we are like, you know, the, she, they put me on this giant horse named Pete loved him, but like the biggest friggin' horse. And this is my first day riding it. And we're going back in pitch black, no headlamps because that scares horse. Like he kills their eyesight. Right. So we're going through the middle of the Yukon Valley where I can't see, like maybe there's a white rump on a horse in front of me and my stupid horse would freaking stop and eat because he was just this big, giant, lazy horse. He'd just sit and eat and then run pitch black running through the dark. And I'm just holding on being like, well, I hope he sees everything. Cause I see nothing. And it was like the craziest ride of my life. I got, well, I haven't been on a horse since, but it was like, it was an incredible experience, but scary as hell at the same time. That's anyway, insane. it was insane, man. Like it was like, like the story of it is just, I can't believe, I don't know. Stuff to, it was just crazy. It was a cool experience, but the, the crappy part about it was, um, on that ride back, my dad, uh, his horse jumped down this big room, like not a ravine, but like a kind of like a five, six foot, like, drop like a creek bed and yeah. my dad came down and like just like right like i don't know if the scissored this is the right word but absolutely hammered into the the saddle and the oh. saddle horn yeah and like not good so he gets back and um he had a moose tag and we were supposed to be hunting moose and he got like man uh it was we we tried but he he took he healed up for a day after that and getting back and then you know he he was okay we'll get back on the horse and go but he got kind of bucked off again at a later date and that was it it was the kind of kind of a sad ending to the that hunt but um yeah yeah i ended up i had to we had to, to pull pin on the hunt a little early and tried to drive him all the way home and he had uh, in the end they ended up finding that he did have a crack in his pelvis it was crazy man but no way. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Tough old bugger. Like, I'd never seen my dad down until that – he got knocked, bucked off the second time coming yeah. back. And I feel, I feel horrible to this day, Aaron, because yeah. I was behind him. <laughs> and I, I was sitting there riding, and his horse did a little hop. And dad just was tired at this time. And the, the, the horse did a little hop and knocked him off. And, like, he landed like a freaking cat like all fours and it, it was this struck me as the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. And I couldn't stop you know when you get the giggles and you can't stop oh, laughing. Dude, I'm the worst for dude. that. And you're like, this is oh. the most inappropriate time to be laughing and yet you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I, I, I could like I thought like holy shit. Like my dad just <laughs> landed like a cat. I can't stop laughing. I had to like turn my horse around and go to the back of the group because I was laughing. Yeah. And my dad was like and then I realized like he was kind of hurt gets back on his horse. We get back in riding. And, but when we get back to the, the trailer where we trailered the horses from, um, he, he fell off his horse, like fell down and couldn't walk. And I was like, that's when, that's when I knew like he'd pushed it as far as he could push it. And it's time to go home. So yeah, I felt bad for laughing, but I, I told him I laughed like, you know, he knows yeah. like, man. At, at the time he probably thought like, what a heartless son of a gun. Like, Anyways, yeah, that was a hell of a story, man. Hell of a time, hell of a place that, like, the, the Yukon is, it is what, it, like, oh, it's just, it's incredible. Someday I'll go back. I know that. And it's, 
yeah. yeah. Probably not to hunt because that's, you know, unless I win the lottery or something, but it's, uh, it was a trip of a lifetime. So yeah, that was, that was my dad. Like, yeah, man, like he passed that stuff on for me and I, I'm forever grateful. That's so cool, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I have some family up in like Yellowknife and stuff and just some relatives. Oh, yeah. and like, some of that makes me want to just like cross into Northwest Territories into that area just to see, man, because it sounds so wild up into the Yukon Northwest Territories area. But oh, just go to see it. Like I'd yeah. go back just to see it, not even to hunt. Like I, yeah. man, I'm the first person that's like, I'm not hiking to just hike. Like what? Do, what? Do, yeah. I don't. What? Are, what am I doing here? Just walking. I'm the same way. I can't hike well, without a purpose. Like I think, out. yeah, you were talking to somebody about this. Maybe it was. Uh, Man, who's what's Hyphenson's name? Hyphenson. That's his Instagram Sean. handle. Yeah, Sean. Sean. Yeah. yeah, I think he was saying that. He's like, you got to be doing something, right? So, yeah. But I would, I would hike the Yukon because I don't know something about it. Like, it's, it's weird to say. Water. It's just so cool. So yeah, man, if you ever get that chance, take advantage of the family or whatever. Go do it. Yeah. And then yeah. you were saying to. Uh... Like, so you've had some really incredible moments, like hunting with your dad. And then you had this moment with an elk. Was that with him as well? Or were you solo? Oh, yeah. No, no, I, that was so, yeah. So, man, grow, like I told you, like my dad was this, like, to me, this legend of a man growing up. And, like, you know, like the big start of it was when I was, like, just a kid waiting at the bus stop one day. My dad had gone elk hunting with his, like, I, I was not ever allowed to go elk hunting as a kid because that was dad's like i'm it's my turn i'm going to the mountains boy like he's going like you know it was his time to go be with the men yeah. and and like that every year he went up to the aha tender with his horse cat boys and and like it was my uncle like my, my great uncle had a camp and they had a horse cat anyways it was this dream to me right it was just like right out of like like the, the, the storybooks, like, and so dad would go up and then one day he came back from that hunt. He'd been drawn and he had this six by six elk in the back of, we had an old red truck and he picked me up at the bus stop and I was allowed for like, my dad was always played by the rules, but he let me ride in the back on the way home. So I rode in the back with this, with this six by six bull elk. And that was years ago. So from then on, I was just wanting to go to elk camp with dad. And so like, started putting in my draws and then finally i was like 21 years old i like my life kind of just carried on and i became like this hockey player with long hair and i was like okay well let's go elk hunting dad like i'd love to go up to the mountains with you and so he finally invited me along at like 21 and uh and so yeah we went out to like the yaha tinda and that was like my introduction to like like okay it was like my rite of passage to go be with the men and i was like 21 years old i had like long blonde hair like a hockey playing like loser and i'm going to be with these men and man like that was like riding into the or not riding but we drove into the yacht into like campground and i had <laughs> i had this image of like oh i'm going to going to this elk hunting horse camp i should probably have like a should maybe go buy like a, a cowboy hat or something and so i bought this like really <laughs> It was like this really like one of those like I don't know canvasy rain hats. It was it was not a cowboy hat, and and so I I bought it and I was gonna wear it, and then I thought no, that's like you're don't be ridiculous like that. I was self conscious. I'm like I'm not wearing this around here, so I go into this camp, 
And like, man, right out of like a Western, this guy comes like with like spurs on and he's like jangling his way up to me. And I was like, look at this legend. Like, look at this man. Like this is now, this is a cowboy. Like this is an elk hunting cowboy. And, and here I am just kind of staring at this guy and he walks right up to me and right into the tent. And I was like, I, I'm hunting with this guy. Like, and so anyway, I get to meet him and I get to meet all these guys I've heard stories about. And so that was like my intro to like elk hunting with my dad. And, and so we spent like a few days up there riding. I got to ride a horse. Like that was the other time I'd been on a horse was I always get thrown into these stupid, like in like, Oh, we'll just take this guy, this kid who's never been on a horse and we'll throw him up into the Ottenda and go up like some like sheep mountains. And, and so I, the cow, this guy, this cowboy, I call him cowboy Bob. And he took me up on, it was, I'll never forget it. It was this crazy ride. I, my horse had his chest strap or like the, I don't know what it's called. The trap strap that goes across their chest. This is how much I know about horses and it, they tightened it too much. And so this horse would come up to a step. And every time it would, instead of just like stepping up, it was chest strap was too tight. So it freaking jump. And so I'm like riding up behind this like cowboy Bob who I'm trying not to look like an idiot. And I, <laughs> I keep getting, I'm hanging off the, every five seconds, I'm hanging off this horse's neck and I'm like, you know, <laughs> and finally like a little kid comes back and takes the reins or the, the lead rope of my horse and leads my horse like I'm like a kid on like a trail ride up to like through like the steep part and then we anyways so that was that was my first like experience to being like with the men in camp and like that was like my dad's way of saying like you're now like it was really cool like it was like a rite of passage and so that was like man it was a dream hunt to be out there. We never got an elk. And, and so I always wanted to go back to the Ahatinda and like, so I, my draws were coming up and everything was happening, but then my life just kind of, everything stopped and the Ahatinda kind of died out because I don't know if you know much about it, but like the, the, the wolves and the bears kind of came in and, and it just, it used to be the place to go elk hunting in Alberta. There mm. was like, it was just like, I guess, covered up enough. They'd come out of the park if they had the right weather. And there's a resident herd. And there's these big, like, I think the still the Alberta record comes from just, I think, one of the WMUs around there anyways. And, wow. uh, it, yeah, it was like the place to go. So I always thought, okay, well, when my elk draw comes up, I'll go, go there with my dad. And then it just died out and my life got busy. And... And then like, whatever, like years and years later, I just had all this elk priority. And in that meantime, you know, like you start hearing about this place, like this Suffield place and uh, like it started kind of catching fire a bit and you'd hear about these guys shooting these big elk down in the prairies. And so, um, so yeah, like luckily for me, I was sitting here in 2014 with like, I don't know, like 15 years of elk priority. Cause I'd never gone since I was like 16 years old. And so I had all this. So I finally, like, I finally told my dad, like, Hey, like, do you want to go with me on this big elk hunt down to the prairies to Suffield? And he was all for it and gung ho. And, and, uh, and so like back in the day, like when, uh, there was no like real social media, but there was that Alberta outdoorsman forum on whatever the yeah. heck it is. Like, yeah, like that that thing, man, 
it was used to be a safe place. You could ask questions. <laughs> I think it's like I think there's still I don't know I still find myself on it every now and then. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I just it, I, it started turning into like a place where like if you ask like so what's going on like people would be oh, like yeah go, go figure it out yourself there rook and you know I, I don't even bother. So yeah, like I went on there and was like, hey, <laughs> I've got 15 years of elk priority. Like, what would you like? I'm thinking of Southfield, and some guy popped on and just said, hey man, I went there last year. Gave me all his information. He was like a firefighter out of Calgary. Like I never got his name, but like the coolest guy ever. And maybe he'll be listening to this, and who knows? And he'll be like, "Yeah, that was me." He he gave me all the information that I could, a guy could ever want. And when he hunted, where he hunted, landowners' names, it was incredible. And so, like, I started planning with my dad, and we, uh, I booked all, We we went in December. Like that was the the thing to do. You either hunt that early early rut hunt down there or you go in December when the bulls are all herded up and and they start coming when that river freezes in Suffield they start crossing out of the out of the base right so um so yeah we decided like that was when we were going to go and we I I was working in like the oil field out of town at the time so I had you know I spent all my evenings like researching and phoning landowners and I phoned like I booked us like a bed and breakfast like it was it was like, it was gonna be a dream right so uh so yeah we went down there and man like the, the the craziest thing happened like right off the bat like we pull into this driveway in this ranch house that i booked this airbnb and it's like a guest ranch that we rented it was like this little house and we're coming down this driveway and like my dad like you know he's usually chatty kathy just like me and we're talking hunting stories and man as we're driving into this, like down into the Red Deer River Valley and into this place, my dad just stopped talking for a second and was like really quiet. And and he's like, he looks over at me as we're pulling down. He's like, I don't know. I don't know, boy, but I, I think, I think I got a story about this one. I think that, I think I, I think I've been here. And I was, you know, kind of like, oh, okay. Like, well, that would be kind of random. And, uh, we pull into the place, we meet the people, we walk in and my dad just like stops like talking and he's just looking around and quiet and he looks over to the lady and he says, excuse me, like, I don't mean to interrupt, but is this so-and-so's ranch? And she goes, yeah, that's, that's my dad's or my grandpa's or my dad's, this is my dad's place. And uh, he goes, I, I don't mean to, to interrupt your story, but I, I came here when I was, he was in university. So it had been like early twenties. He's like, I came here and helped you guys on a, a cattle drive when I was hunting antelope uh, would have been like, my dad would have been, it'd have been like 40 years before that he'd been Ooh. down there. And he's dude, it was the craziest experience. So I randomly, I booked this Airbnb at the place where my dad and we were staying in the ranch house that they did the cattle drive big, like all the ladies had cooked this giant meal and all the guys who'd been, you know, riding horses. And my dad had told me this story about driving cattle when he was on a pronghorn hunt at some point in my life. And I remembered it, but I was like, Oh, whatever. And this was this place. It was so crazy that this is where we were staying was the house where they went back for breakfast and the ranch that they were staying at and where he had helped work on. So that's so like full circle. That's so surreal. Wild full circle. Like I couldn't believe it. It just made the whole trip like 
so much cooler. And so, yeah, we hunted down there for, we had seven days, man. And I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been down into that Suffield country? Oh yeah. For like, I've been down there and same thing. I have family down there, but never hunted down there specifically. Oh, okay. But, yeah. yeah. And, and like, I'd never been, like I'd hunted the prairies, uh, kind of farther North, but that, those big river breaks and that stuff is just, it was beautiful, beautiful country. And like, man, one day we were sitting out there glassing across onto the, uh, the Suffield army base. Cause we, my draw was on the outside and it was like a scene like from time, like back in time, like there was probably, I don't know if there wasn't a thousand elk, there was 2000. It was the most elk I've ever mm-hmm. seen. It was like, it, it was like watching like, do you remember, have you ever seen the movie dances with wolves? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And have you, do you remember seeing that, like, that, that scene where, like, there's just a swath of buffalo? Yeah, it's just a huge herd. Just a huge herd of buffalo. Like, that, like, it was like a, a glimpse back in time to, like, the prairies when the elk just roamed wild. And that's there was, so like, a herd, uh, man, there were so many. I've never seen it. And they were all on the army base. They were all just browsing and, and, and probably as almost as far as the horizon, you could see elk all the way along. And then there'd be like a, there was like a, a bachelor group of like 40 giant bull elk across there. And everywhere I would look, there'd be elk crawl, like, c- crossing down, coming under the valley, crossing the river over to like my side. And like, oh, it was just a dream, man. It was beautiful to see. And, and, uh, I, we found elk and I passed up elk that I should have shot. And it was, you know, I, I was waiting for one of these like 400 inch elk. Like the guy, what the guy who had given me all the information texted me like a, a couple weeks before I went a picture of like a 400 and I think it was like a nine, 409 inch bull, one like the Alberta outdoors and biggest bull elk big trophy of the year thing so it was this huge elk right on the property so i'm holding out right i'm like oh that's a that's like a 360 70 inch seven by six but i can hold out like i was being stupid so but i gotta see i had that i gotta see some incredible animals and 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 like that whole week was beautiful but it was like day six right at the end of the night and like every hunt like i don't i'm sure I think anybody listening to this always has that feeling like day six of a seven day hunt, you start getting a little like little panicky. Like you start like, okay, no, it's a beautiful experience, but uh, the really great something happened here soon, you know? So that's where we were. And we were glassing. It was like day six. um, And we were glassing this big Valley. And my dad, like he spots like two, they were like easily 400 inch bulls. I wouldn't say easily because that's ridiculous to say, but they were, they were the giants of giants, right? Like these big, big bulls. And uh, we were at a foot access only spot. And, <laughs> and he looked at me and said, Boyle, like, I'm, I'm not, I can't go down there. Like it's weird. Like we're not getting that elk out from there. And I, I, and in me, like my view's never been like, I've always thought like, well, I'll figure it out. Like whatever. I go, yeah do whatever it takes. But like, uh, you know, you know, I was, I, I grew, I was growing up by the time and I said like, okay, like I, I respect that dad. And inside I'm thinking like, Oh man, like I wish my buddy was here, but you know, I was still happy that like, you know, cause if I had a buddy here, we'd have been like running down there after those elk and we'd have probably shot it. And 
I've been famous yeah. for shooting a 450 inch bull. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we'd seen a bunch of other elk up top too. So like we came back the next morning and we had like, it was the most beautiful epic stock on, up on this. We found like, we ended up being three bulls, but we thought there was more and we ended up stocking up on them and, and getting a good look. And I, yeah, it would turn, my dad's got it on video. He's a whore. That's the other thing is my dad's a horrible cameraman. Like <laughs> great hunter, great man. He's a legend of a man, but sucks at running a camera. And yeah. And oh, he'll, he <laughs> Oh man, it's horrible. Like he's, there's video. I got, I, if I ever do anything, it'll, it'll be outtakes of my dad's phone. Oh, could you, how do I open this thing up? Uh, what, what is the lens on here? And like, Literally, man, we get there and I, I, I shoot at this bull and dad gets like, we, this is of course the one day we for, forget the rangefinder, And like, I had that, you know, there was three bulls kind of trotted out and stopped at like 150 yards and, you know, silly me. He's like, that last one looks okay. Like whatever, like, maybe I'll shoot it. And then he gets out like four, 400 yards. I'm guessing like, I forgot the bloody rangefinder, So we didn't know, but. Yeah, I'm like, okay, that that's the one. Like, we're gonna shoot it. So I started shooting and I'm bracketing it basically, like, you know, shot up or hit high and then hit low. And then my third shot, dad stops filming and I schwat I nail it right in the shoulder. And uh, and now I'm out of bullets because I didn't have enough rounds in and I'm trying to dig through my pockets and I'm, you know, I'm a, trying to be a good person, but I'm swearing like a sailor and dad's trying to tell me not to swear and he's got the camera all fumbling. Anyways, in the end up getting this it's elk and dad like my dad had said the whole trip like just just don't shoot him in the bottom Kyle. shoot him at the top so we can you know <laughs> not a... sure shit man that elk like i shot him i could have shot him along he went he, well, i watched him run for like 200 yards or trot like doing the elk trot and stop at like 150 and then trot away like all on the top and then i shoot him hit him in the shoulder and like elk are tough man like they are tough that thing ran yeah. with like a seven mm round put through both shoulders and it got into the bottom, the very bottom of this little coolie. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, like we got him right in the morning and we didn't get out till dark, like, you know, but I got my Epic. I was able to drag that thing. Oh, I still got you there. Yep. Oh, sorry, man. Uh, yeah, I, I was able to like, you know, put the, I'd always wanted that to be able to pack an elk out of my back. And yeah. so, you know, like I, it's something about that, like, you know, nostalgia or real romantic thought of like, you know, being a man and carrying an elk out of a the, the mountain. It wasn't a mountain, but man, it was steep. And I, my dad viewed it the whole way and I was just, I barely made it just stumbling out of there. But yeah, so, so cool. that was, that hunt was like probably until the Yukon, or, I mean, that ties the Yukon for just one of those like beautiful moments and just got to do it all with my dad and great stocking like we had a great time and we'd sit up and have scotch in the evenings and talk about life and and uh yeah i was just super super blessed to have that opportunity to do that with him so yeah that's so yeah. cool yeah yeah, then, yeah it was a cool like, story well and then to you know i think that's just like for him to have been there when he was younger and then to like be like holy shit i'm here with my son now and now you're like getting to live those moments with him and achieve something for yourself there too it's so crazy yeah 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 it's so cool right like well and that whole yeah yeah, that was wild that he he 
been down there working or hunting and just, yeah. Oh, that's cool. It was cool. So yeah, no, that was, that was my dad, man. And like, yeah, like he, like he always like, I'm trying to give it back to him now. And I took him this year, two years ago. And like, I took days off and helped him get his antelope that he'd been waiting years and years for. And that was pretty cool. We went down there and he did a nice big stock on the opening day and we got an antelope for him. And yeah, like, I don't know. I tried, I, I'm trying to pay him back a little bit. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough to do, but I think too, like he sees me passing it on to my kids and that's a little bit of payback enough for him too, you know? A hundred percent. I was going to say, you're also paying it forward to your kids as well. And even on that yeah. note, you were saying too, you had that, that story with your daughter that, uh, Oh yeah. Her first buck or cause she's, she's 12. Now it's, or? it's a, yeah. So she, no, she, yeah, that was last year. So she'll be 13 coming up. So yeah, she, okay. um, yeah, she, she's just a little tiny thing, but we got her out there this year. And like I was saying, I got her that, that old rifle of mine and yeah. got her shooting it. And she was excited. We got her, her hunter training and, and she did like, awesome. yeah, like, so that was like, that was a cool experience, like passing it all through to her. And then, um, when she got her hunter training, my dad, um, she'd been on some hunts. I know she'd come down with, um, the year before both my daughters had gone down to the prairies with me and, and uh, my girlfriend at the time, we went down to the prairies and, uh, and the girls were involved in, that was a really cool experience too. Like having them there. Oh man, I could just tell stories all day, but yeah, like the, having them down on the prairies where I, I grew up on like my uncle's farm down there. Like that was cool to see where I, that's where I started hunting and jumping bales and my kids are jumping bales in the same yard as I used to. And, Wow. And so then, and then, yeah. And then they were crawling across the prairies with us and right in on the mule deer stalks and, and yeah. And then, and then when, um, uh, well, the girls, she got a, she got a pretty nice buck. It was, it was cool. It was like, they were right there with us and not right there. Cause they got tired and went back to the truck, but anyway, so <laughs> pretty close. And yeah, it was just like, they, they'd been involved in the hunts and that was really cool. But now it was like, her turn my my oldest daughter's her turn and so she she was like a little bit i think kind of like oh i'll, I'll do this because dad wants me to hunt and dad hunts and she you know i don't, I, I put a little bit of pressure on her because i don't know you gotta be yeah, given their like own devices kids will always be like you know let's just play video games dad or something right so i was like no you're gonna do some hunter trading you're gonna learn how to shoot a gun you're gonna learn how to you know we're gonna learn some bushcraft we're gonna so she got into it and i kind of and then took her out to the rifle range and that was, you know, that was calamity, but it worked out well. Like I took her out there and she, we worked her out from a tw uh, 22 and we'd shot pellet guns all year. And then my dad had a two, two, three out there at the range and she shot that and that was no big deal. And then the two forty three to like us is no big deal. But like my daughter is like, she, she's like, uh, I don't know. I think at the time she'd have been like 55 pounds. Like she was just this little tiny thing. Right. So she's, so she's out shooting this 243 and doing okay. Like she said, we're getting it on the paper and she's getting like a decent little group. And so like last shot of the day, I'm like, you see that, you see that gong out there at 200 yards, kiddo, just hold that thing on there and just shoot that thing. Try that. And this is like the end of the day. It's cold. And she goes to shoot and doesn't get the gong, but like absolutely scopes herself right in the forehead 
Oh no. Oh man. So I'm sitting there going like, Oh shoot. Like we were supposed to be going hunting next week. And, and she just scoped herself. So she's like, now she's crying. Like it didn't cut her, but it like bruised the shit out of her forehead. (laughs) And I, like, I'm like, I'm thinking like, wow, like this is like kind of me being like tough guy, dad, like, okay, kiddo. Like I can't take you hunting if you don't shoot again. She's like, I'm not shooting. I'm like, you can't go deer hunting with that being your last experience of, of firing this rifle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, you got it. And she's like, I don't want, I'm like, okay. But you, if you, you know, if you don't, so she, she, she sucked it up and she took, she took another shot a hundred yards and, and like nailed the shot. I was like, okay, awesome. Good job, kiddo. We can go hunting now. And so, yeah, so man, we went up to, um, well, I'm kind of lucky. Like I, I don't know, like I've been lucky and blessed with hunting permission in Alberta because, um, my family, like my mom's side of the family are all farmers. And they had a bunch of like daughters. My mom had a bunch of sisters that all married farmers all throughout Alberta. So I've got uncles that have, you know, farms down in the prairies and then in the middle in the parkland. And then we have a, a, my one uncle has a place up in like the Northern Bush up by Bonneville. And so we all went up there and we have, a it's up by our lake lot. So the girls and I and my dad and my brother, we all head up there for this big hunt and we're staying at the lake and, that's cool. Like, you know, I was showing my daughter how to sharpen her knife the night before and it was just kind of neat, right? Like kind of all these little like nostalgic things. Like my dad showed me before my first hunt, I'm getting to pass on to my daughter now and she's kind of getting more, more into it. And we get out there for the first day and I think, Oh, I gotta, I gotta put her in a ground blind and have her on. Like I built her some shooting sticks out of like some, uh, some diamond willows and I was really proud of them. I'd wrapped them in like leather. Anyways, they're beautiful. And I thought, okay, this is going to put her in a ground blind on this cut line. And there's deer, or it's like a power line on the, in a hay field in the middle of the bush. Like it's beautiful. And I'm like, for sure there's going to be deer. We're going to, it's going to be no problem. And this would be a great. And sure. Shit, man. The only time I've ever sat there and we didn't see a single deer until like almost dark. And she was sleeping and I'm like, oh man, she's, she's not going to love hunting at all. And, Man, right at the end of the night, a little buck comes out and her heart just started pounding and she couldn't get on it. It was too dark, but like she was like, she looked at me with like these giant like saucer eyes, like so excited that this like action happened at the very end of the day. And I'm like, well, okay, cool. Like she's into it. And like that night, like, you know, we're back at the cabin and we're, we're talking about the day and all the different experiences and the trail lunch we'd had. And Oh, and then my brother, he, <laughs> my brother had pulled up that, that day. And, uh, he just goes out to another field and just shoots a nice, like, I think it was like a four by five buck, like just blast this nice buck. And, uh, pulls up to us and like my daughter just loses it. She's like, I can't believe it. We hunted all day. And uncle Kevin comes up here and shoots a deer fight. Like he just walked out to a field that he knew. And like, sure enough, this buck comes walking by. Like, I, I'm not going to say it's luck, Kev, but it's luck, brother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but you gotta be, you gotta be good to be lucky. I'll give him that. He's a heck of a whitetail hunter, that guy. But, um, yeah, but, uh, so she's into it now and we're now we get a you know skin a deer out in the in the garage at the lake and she looks at me that night and she's like dad you know what i i 
I know, I know we didn't get a deer today, but you know what? I know for the rest of my life, I'm going to be a huntress. And I was like, that's something else, kiddo. Like, that's like, she kind of said it to me. Like I could tell she was serious about it. She wasn't just saying it, you know, it was like one of those times where it's like, she's not just saying this to try and make dad happy or proud. Wow. Yeah. It was really cool, man. Like she, she meant it. So, so yeah, like, um, uh, the next morning, like, you know, it's, it's like a long day out in there. And so she, I, I thought maybe she might be tired and no, like she was up ready to rock. Like my other daughter was not my younger daughter. She's like, I'm sleeping in. I go to wake up my dad and like, you know, the legends, the legends slowly fade away. He did not want to get up and he did not get up and he stayed <laughs> at the cabin that day and said, you know, like, Oh, you guys go ahead. And so, uh, yeah, it was just my brother and my my uh, oldest daughter. She, you know, we all three of us head out, and and I kind of thought to myself, like, we're gonna do some practicing, um, seeing if she can just shoot off the sticks from kneeling, as if like we're doing like we're working our way into the field. Um, you know, we might have an opportunity. To, always early in the morning, there's always deer in this hay field, right? So it's like. I want her to be ready, not to have to just go sit in the ground blind. Right. So we practiced a couple times just saying like, okay, like I'm going to carry the rifle and you're going to carry the sticks. And when, if we see something, you put the sticks down and get down on your knee and I'll put the rifle on. And we practiced a couple times and she seemed really stable. I was like, how does that feel? And she's like, yeah, it feels really good. I was like, how's your sight? Like everything was good. I'm like, huh? Well, okay, let's, let's see how this goes. And sure enough, man, we're walking up the edge. My brother goes up one side and we go up the other and we're kind of doing like a bit of a pinch maneuver on this little field. And, and yeah, sure enough, there's a deer like 120 yards out. I didn't even, didn't even bring the rangefinder because I didn't want to tell her like the, the day before we had a deer was like 138 yards. And she's like, Oh, that's too far, dad. It's too far. I can't shoot that far. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm not going to tell you that this deer's whatever it is now. I'm just going to tell you it's a hundred yards. No matter what, that deer was a hundred yards. Even like you know, unless it was way out there. But, anyways, this deer is out there like perfectly like walking, and it and it kind of starts walking right towards us, like head on. And I thought it was a doe. Like I didn't have I didn't did put my binoculars up. Didn't put everything. We have like it's a general tag, right? Like we're I'm like she she told me she's like dad. Uh, I'll shoot a doe or a buck. I get it. It doesn't matter to me. I'm like, okay, then this is the one kiddo. Like just get on her and get steady. Like I'm right. We put the gun and she gets down on behind the shooting sticks and man, like I haven't had bucks. Well, I have, I, I get buck fever. So like crazy, especially bow hunting, but like, yeah, she is shaking. Like you could hear, like I could feel her like heart pounding through her like jacket and like, her body was like her breathing. I was like, luckily this deer was just walking towards us and just very relaxed. And like, she has time. I get it. I, I can talk her kind of down and be like, Hey, just relax. Just put it where we talked about Just put it right behind that shoulder. And I'm just talking her through and trying to calm her down and just act like, you know, and I'm still jacked up too. Cause like, Holy cow, this is, this is going <laughs> to happen. Right. And I'm trying to be cool hand Luke and just be like, it's okay, kiddo. Like, you know, just, it's going to work out. And at some point, like she's going to turn. And, and then when she turns like this, put her in that spot and, and, and pull that trigger nice and slow. And, and I'm just trying to do all these things. Right. And, 
sure enough, like my brother, I knew too, like I knew that deer was going to turn and walk away because my brother was coming kind of towards it. And sure enough, it looks back and I know the moment's coming, right? Cause you know, it's turn. it looks over at where my brother's coming and I know it's going to turn and like, it's going to happen and it's going to be broadside. And so I'm like getting all excited, trying to be cool and trying to calm down. I know she's going to try to calm and this, this deer turns perfectly broadside and stops and she shoots and just drops it, just drills it right. Like hit it right in the back. And like, she was a little upset about it. She's like, Oh, cause she wanted to hit it like perfect heart long enough. I was like, it's okay, kiddo. You spined it. It dead as a doorknob. Didn't, didn't move an inch. Wow. <laughs> And she then, and then she like, we, we take care of the rifle and I'm, I'm helping her. Like I, I loaded another round and then I was like, looking at this deer, I'm like, it's not going anywhere, kiddo. Like it's feet are up in the air. I'm like, it's done. Like she starts freaking out. We, we hug it and I'm going through all the emotions and she's going through all the emotions and we walk up to this deer and that moment where she walks up, man, like, like I'm being a dork and being me, like videoing it on my phone and like whatever. But like she, yeah. like it, I didn't, you know, I didn't tell her nothing. I just let her go and she's like, I don't know what I'm going to feel like. And we talked about the day before. I was like, I guess you'll find out. Like when that moment comes, how you feel shooting a deer. Yeah. Like, take it life. And she went up and like just kind of very softly, like, like picked up its head and was kind of like just petting its neck and like kind of a weird thing to say, but like, yeah, she was just like, she respected it. And it was like such a cool moment as a dad to see your daughter. She got it. Like she gets it. And I was like, that's so cool, man. Like awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we all a little bit more. Like it was something, man, to to experience. And and yeah, my brother came whooping and hollering up, and we, we it ended up being a little spiker buck, eh? Like I couldn't see, I didn't have binos on it, and I don't think yeah. she was looking at the horns through that scope. So yeah, it turned out to be this little. She got her first little buck. So man, that was all. I honestly story like made my eyes kind of start watering because like especially when you're talking about like you sitting there with her and she's uh, like shaking and you could feel her heart beating and you're also like that, but you're trying to remain like cool, calm and collected. It's just like, I like as someone who's like my son, like you heard me mention a million times, only two and a half years old. It's like, I'm so stoked for like, hopefully having moments like that in the future, you know, oh, it'll happen, man. It'll happen. Yeah. Oh, and it's just like, just, I don't know, empathetically like relating to that. Like just the way you, tell that story i was just sitting here like man that's such a freaking cool moment to share with your daughter and just like yeah it was yeah what's that sorry oh just to see her go through like the emotions she went through even like you say like not sure what she would feel and then to be respecting an animal like like, this is so freaking cool man that's so cool yeah yeah oh dude like I, i i hear you talking about your son too and i think like and even as I have listened to your other podcasts and I'm just like, nah, man, I'm excited to, I'm excited for everybody. But like, because I've been listening to your stuff, I'm like, I'm still free, man, to feel that, to get to experience that, to like, you know, like you're talking about getting your son out fishing with you now, like in your little boat, but like pretty yeah. soon it'll be like, it, and honestly, dude, it goes so fast. 
And so, yeah. like, as much as you kind of be like, I can't wait till my kid's 12 so I can get him a rifle and stuff. It's like, don't, so yeah. Much, <laughs> so much awesome stuff is going to happen before that. But yeah, when it does come, yeah, like, I'm excited for you. And, like, it's such a cool, yeah, yeah. And, and you get it, right? Like, when, when you know somebody oh, like that, that values those things, like, that has those family values and values time with their family and their kids. And yeah. like again, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to, for you, man, to get to experience those things. And I'm, I'm looking forward, like my other daughter now, like I'm walking, like the second one, she's all, she just did her hunter training two weeks ago. And that, she's, that's what, I was going to ask you that. Sorry to cut you off, but I was literally going to ask. So now is the next one ready to go, but. Oh yeah. She wants to shoot a bigger deer. She's, she's all excited. <laughs> like, and she, I, 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 of both my daughters, I thought like, cause you know, they all have different personalities. I thought, okay, the young ones, she's yeah. a bit of a, she's a bit of a like prima donna. The, the older daughter is more like me. She like, doesn't, she dresses like whatever, like she probably would have yeah. liked me. She's, she's a pretty young lady, but like, yeah, she like will wear sweatpants and rubber boots and like a hoodie. That's three sizes too. Like she doesn't care. And my, yeah. my youngest daughter is like, the opposite she likes to be done up and she's very man and what's going on dad and like you know i don't I, I, but she wants she wants to hunt and she told me she's like dad i, I want to like and i think maybe part of it she wants to compete against her sister but also i'm okay with that whatever yeah. let's go still this fire. <laughs> yeah that's so cool and good on you man for like passing that down and teaching them these things and you know i think kind of like we were talking about before as as much as you can't force kids to be a certain way or anything. And that's not like a real good way to do things. It's also like, these are such important things to pass on, like in the future, like the same way that your dad passed it to you and you're passing it on to your daughters. It's like that we can't lose these things. Right. And that's like for them to be it's, excited about it and feel those emotions. Like you don't feel that doing anything like that's No, yeah. it's, it's, well, it's also too, like um, it's our responsibility, man. Like as, yeah. as like, as hunters too, right? Like it doesn't always have to be parents, but like as hunters, like I, I, man, I encourage so many people that I know. And, and maybe there's this talk out there. I, I was reading this thing or watching a, a talk about, Oh, there's too many hunters. Oh, that's what it was. There was a, um, I'm a member of the, the I'm going to plug these guys. I'm a member of the Alberta bow hunters association. Which, oh yeah. If, yeah, if you're a, a bow one. hunter in Alberta, you're listening to this podcast and you're not a member, I highly recommend it. Um, we can go into all the details, but, uh, but yeah. So anyways, I was, I, I, I've gotten involved with them and um, just this recently, I, I started uh, working on the, not working, but I'm on the executive as a director at large now. And so nice. they, they have, yeah. So they have this email chain that we all get and they'd sent this thing talking about how this guy's like, Oh, there's too many hunters out there in this, we need to we need to discourage people from hunting because it's taking away opportunities from the people who take it seriously or whatever he was trying to say. And I'm like, no, man. Like, I, yeah. I always encourage people to get into hunting, and it's so yeah. cool to hear these stories about. And so many guys I I hear and see, and even some of the guys you've had on talked about like late, like they're they get into hunting later in life. And it hasn't always been a thing. And so they're discovering this stuff and it takes, and you need to be encouraged by people who are out there hunting to, 
and helped along and I guess mentored in a way and, and supported and whatever, like that's, to me, that's part of our responsibility as hunters to see our, our traditions and heritage like continued. Mm -hmm. And so, so I take that very seriously with my kids and like, you know, whenever I'm talking, every opportunity I get, man, like I said, like my fly fishing tattoo gives me tons mm -hmm. of opportunity to talk about fly fishing. And, um, then I get like, you know, even at work the other day, uh, some old guy, I ran into him in the gym at the, at the, at work. It turns out that we were in the same army unit way back in the, like he'd been there. And so mm -hmm. we just started chit chatting. Right. And so, uh, he then tells me he just started hunting and he just got his pal and he just started shooting. He got his first deer last year. And so we, I kind of been walking. And then now he, he messaged me on, uh, like we have a teams like within our, uh, teams chats within our, um, the company. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he teased me, Hey, Hey Kyle, what are you doing for lunch? I was like, oh, I don't know, Jared, no, nothing. He's like, you want to go sit in the cafeteria and talk about bows and hunting and stuff? He's like, I just got a bow and arrow. Nice. And so, <laughs> yeah. And like this, like, so Jerry, Jerry is, um, I don't know. If you're listening to this, Jerry, I'm out in you, man. You're, he's an old, older guy, like probably in his late fifties and mm -hmm. like awesome dude. And like, just like soaking everything up. So me and him are chatting and I'm like, listen, and we're just talking about, he just got this new bow and he's practicing with the, you know, sighting it in. And he's got a membership at this, the Sure Park range now. And, oh, nice. and then, yeah. So he's like telling me all of a sudden, I'm just getting stoked for him. And then he tells me about this property. He's maybe going to hunt and he's not sure if he should get this and that. And I was like, oh man, you got to And then, you know, so I'm just trying to, it's kind of weird. Like I'm a younger man mentoring an older man. Yeah. Some like I'm encouraging him more than mentoring him. Cause I don't know if like I'm much of a mentor. I'm just like a, just a dude that loves hunting that they'll talk your ear off if you give me the chance, you know? So, um, well, and there's so many things like do it, right? Like it's, it's fishing's one thing, but there's so many, whether it's the units or you do your hunter education course and then field dressing and gutting or, you know, it's oh, like, yeah. so isn't that crazy what you take advantage, like take for granted when you're growing up, like gutting animals and yeah, just, there's so much being, to it that people need to yeah. kind of, get shown somewhat or whatever or get help. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's but, true. So yeah, man, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like sharing, sharing what we love and, and, and like a lot of people say like the more, so that's my, that brings me back to my ABA thing. And <laughs> apart from, yeah. you know, I was listening to, uh, who, oh, it was Quaid, ultralight Quaid that you yeah. had on here. He was talking about he's he's a member of Saba, right? So that's the the yeah. Southern Alberta bow hunters, and yeah. they they they're cool too, man. But you know we're the ABA, so I gotta try to show that. <laughs> so um, so he he was talking about how like like there's the the awards program there, and like that's kind of got me intrigued a lot. Like I'm man, I I am no accomplished archer, so I've got a lot of work to do to try and yeah. to try and work my way up to seeing to like being whatever I think it's grandmaster or master bow under. And like, um, it's a really cool achievement to try and pursue as like somebody like myself, who's, who's hunted a lot in his life and, and had some success, but that, that challenge of trying to get a, get, you know, I just like, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge and I enjoy it. And so that's one appeal of the, 
like the, being a, a member of the association, but like the big thing for me that made me want to get involved in it and what I would encourage. And I'm hoping if you got some listeners that are, that, uh, that might not be members, like, uh, we have a voice as bow hunters or like specifically that's the AB, but any sort of organization, if you're a hunter, like we, and we, if you're just talking in your garage and telling, you know, shooting politics, bullshit and in the garage, like that's one thing, but mm-hmm. an association that's unit, like that's unified and organized can bring a lot of weight to bear on issues in conservation and legalities and things that keep our heritage as hunters and bow hunters or whatever we are um, keeps it alive and going and, and relevant in the culture of the day. And so I just, that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm going to push. Like I, I thought like, I don't know, like I don't want to be too dorky on your podcast and push them, but like, it's a big deal to me. And I think that um, up, like all the, the politics of things aside, like, you know, Getting it, getting your conversations out of the garage and bringing them to an association where it has an ear of like a government group or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like there's mule deer management where how many people have an opinion on what we what we should do with our mule deer here in Alberta and that it's been mismanaged or whatever you may feel. Well, here's a chance to to get your you know opinions out there and and have a voice. So. Yeah, there's my my pitch. Join the ABA and and uh, or or Saba or whatever. Just or just get involved. Just in any way you can to to promote um, our heritage, our hunting, and our our outdoors life. Yeah, and I do really like that too because a lot of people um, are quick to complain about oh management or this and that. Everyone's got an opinion, right? It's, but it's like in the same instance, it's like, well, if you put some legwork behind it and go and make it heard by the right people, well, then you might actually see some change, right? And it's nice to be able to, like, make sure that things are all heard and everybody's heard. And like you said, everybody kind of has a voice within those members or, like, communities and things like yeah. that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah, very valuable. But Oh, I, I think it's, yeah, 100%. And I'll tell you this much. The banquet that I went yeah. to this year, I've, I've never been to a banquet in my life. And so I'm like, okay, let's go to a banquet. So cool, yeah. man. So yeah, cool. Are, and, and as cool as like listening to your podcast and getting to know people on, on this platform, meeting people that you follow, like I followed Instagram. certain people on, yeah. on Instagram or throughout their lives on YouTube even. And then yeah. I got to meet him at the ABA banquet. Like, I don't know, man. I met like Dan Indenbosch there. Like, I yeah. don't know if you even remember. I was selling 50-50 tickets. And, like, I yeah. followed Mule Man Dan for years and just been, like, he's, like, the epitome of all sheep hunters. And, like, I kind of held him on this pedestal. And then I got to meet the dude. Like, I was selling him some 50-50 tickets. Anyways, got, like, a quick chat. Nicest guy ever. And, like, everybody there was just super nice. I had so many great conversations and talked so much about, like, the things we love to do and hunting and light and all sorts of cool stuff. And like, yeah. So like kind of putting faces and names and like when people, yeah, it was just really cool experience, man. So yeah. Anyways, shout out ABA apart from like the, that organization stuff, like just being in the community of hunters and stuff. And, and so it's something I've been wanting to be more involved with. Like I've, I've been a fairly big, 
I wouldn't say a loner, but like I kind of just keep to myself and like I, I post my stuff, but I don't reach out to people too much until recently. I'm trying to be more social or more like more community minded, I guess. And so, yeah, like I've been trying to like I reached out to Jeff there, snagged myself a sweet hat. Yeah, they're nice um, hats. Man. I love it. Dude, such nice hats. Yeah, I know. I, I even told him like because he's like, uh, you know. I'm, I'm so down with supporting local guys, throwing out local content, whatever it is, like your podcast, like I'll shout it out to everyone. I know, like all my hunting buddies, like it's awesome that we're getting cool local content. And then like, like DOA, like Jeff stuff, like keep it going, man. Oh, you know what I was watching before our podcast started? I was watching, um, uh, straight shooting outdoors started, uh, a YouTube, uh, video. Uh, he just, yeah, he just in there. Yeah, he just put out his um his mule deer hunt. So I was I didn't even get through it until we had to start this podcast. But I don't know. That's okay, man. That's <laughs> it's not a big deal. I, uh, it's not going anywhere. So yeah, like um like yeah, like I just I'm starting to get more I guess involved with the uh, with the community. And I think that's the cool thing like uh yeah, social media, for, like as much as like I have my addictions to it, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, sure. I love Instagram, man. You can see it. Yeah. I post shit all the time. But, yeah. um, but it also is like, what a tool, what a, like, what a way, like I would never be, have be chatting with you without it. Yes. Yeah, and, and, uh, I would never have known about, um, guys like, like Quaid or, um, the cutthroat Cowboys boys. It's, it's Tanner and, and Jared, right? That's yeah. Yeah. I just call them the cutthroat. Yeah. But like those guys, I would have never known about those guys without social media. And, um, it's got its downsides and, but it's to me, it's just got like, uh, like I use what I use it for has been like awesome. And so, yeah, like I think, like especially the local guys, I love seeing it, man. I love seeing like all the stuff that's coming out, and and everybody's doing cool things. So, yeah, yeah, it's funny because like I think it's there's like a, a healthy use to social media for sure, but that's always the tough part because I've always come to the point of being like, oh, I'm just gonna delete it all and I don't want to spend time on it or whatever. And then I'm like, what? It's really nice to see like so and so and what they do and how they're doing and whatever, you know. And it's like there's and you know even like networking with everybody in the community and getting to know everyone and sharing stories and stuff like it's like yeah it's hard to find kind of a healthy balance in there and it's an awesome way to create like a memory book of you know i forget who it was i think it might have been john that was saying that too and i'm hurt myself if i'm quoting the wrong guy but they were saying something like they scroll through their own instagram more than anybody because they're just like like looking at their own memories or whatever and i'm guilty of that too you know you're just oh like, dude I'm horrible. Just to be like oh man yeah <laughs> i think i like i watched like i made a reel today and i like i watched it and smiled at my own reel like at least five times i was like that's <laughs> that's some quality content Kyle. good job man. It is, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like i i i like that's the thing is that like um whatever I'm doing on social media or whatever in the future, if I do decide to like, like, cause I'll probably like, I've got like tons of videos of hunts and stuff that like I should probably do something with. And maybe I'll do a, a YouTube thing, but I'm not sure. Like, yeah. I, I think I want to, but like mostly because I just 
just like any, like I like sharing what I do with people mm-hmm. and I like, and then the interactions that come from it. And, and yeah, like, I think part of like the whole, <laughs> sometimes though, I think the social media has got me a little bit. Like there's probably some deer that I should have shot, especially with my bow, because I haven't shot, I haven't shot a whitetail buck with my bow yet. And I've been going pretty dang hard the last probably two years. And, and you've been I just, of Instagram or something? Just, well, I don't know if it's because of Instagram or if it's be, like, if it's because of the, like, a, I don't know. I think because of like this, like kind of this competition or whatever. It's like, I want to do, I want to get a good, like, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe I'm influenced by the influencers a little bit. I'm not sure, but well, maybe there's tough. something. It's tough because I find there's that whole, like, it's the bigger buck next year thing. But it's also hard too because, and I know we've talked about this before and stuff, is like, if you're hunting public land, you're just hoping everybody else assumes that same thing, right? It's like, I find it really hard to think about what you're passing up on or not passing up on where you're like, oh, that'll be a bigger buck next year. And then the next dude sees it the next day and he's like, it's got antlers, you know? (laughs) That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and like, well, uh, in the bow zone even here like man yeah i'm i'm pretty lucky with the access that i've got here in the bow zone and um Same. yeah like it's it's pretty cool like i can be i can hunt pretty much every day all the way up in like i i think because i i'm so close like i'm just north of my of where i live here and mm-hmm. yeah like i can be out hunting in the evenings on a weekday after work if you know if the time's right and I can zip out of work and rip out there and like, I can hunt weekends, even when I have my kids, I can hunt like mornings. So I'm pretty lucky in the bozone, but like, it's getting, it's getting like the also social media makes you realize who's around you and trail cameras. That's one thing I've realized is that like, I have that buck on trail camera too. And that guy's got it. So he must be close. Like that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So you start kind of piecing the puzzle together of who's around you, and um, for sure. But uh, in the end, like we've we've like where we hunt or where I've got permission, it's like you know the neighbors have shot some some of our target bucks, and that's going to happen, man. You can't get I don't get too salty. I'm the only one I'm a little salty about. I guess it's not too salty. I was an American guy came up and the. <laughs> my buddy sent me a message to say, does this deer look familiar? And it was like um, our main major target buck for like three years got no. shot by it. Yeah, man. He was, we called him big wide and he ended up in big buck magazine. He was like 180. No way. Yeah. 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 And so it was like an American guy getting guided. And I was like, well, I'd rather it have been a local dude, but I still messaged. I saw the guy on Instagram and I said, Hey man, that's, I sent him a trail camp pic. I was like, this was him last year, so good job. But uh, yeah, that, that one I'm a little bit salty about. But other than that, yeah. like you can't get too mad. Deer move, man. Like you can't. No, you don't own them. And like it's some people get pretty protective around here. Like it gets pretty. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't get too involved with that. Like no, there's too much drama in the bow zone sometimes. But anyways, it's very, <laughs> very and it's funny because yeah. like. Yeah, I've kind of shed a little light on what I'm close to for um, like a small public sliver. And uh, 
I go walking through there every now and then, and I'm like, dude, the amount of cameras in there. Like, and I know roughly about how many dudes are in that area. And I'm just like, holy shit. I was like, I don't even want to go walk through these bushes. Oh, this is, you got public surrounding you and there's guys all in it. Well, so like my in, yeah, and I don't want to because I'm like slowly. I feel like giving this away, but oh yeah, hey, don't don't worry about it, brother. Keep it know. keep to yourself. I don't know. Like I've already I've already said the same stuff on another pod where it's like my <laughs> in laws, like I hunt on their property, yeah. but then around the like they're backing onto like a farmer's lease property that you still need like the farmer's permission to hunt, but again, oh right. I don't yeah, think everyone's whole... getting permission because it's like it's leased by the like he leases the land to the government for them to farm it. So yeah, it's like it's his land, but it's not. Yeah, so yeah. people yeah. people treat it like it's public when, in all honesty, it's really not. And if you're listening to this and you hunt there, like go and talk to the dude, please. <laughs> and I'm just saying that because because I know who he is and he's a super nice dude and he ain't gonna care anyway, and I'm not gonna really care anyway, and no one cares. But yep. it's just do the due diligence that everyone else should be doing. And uh, yeah, yeah. And like I did the due diligence. I was like, dude, I'm going to go back there every now and then. Do you care? And he's like, hell no. He's like, go, go on. And same thing. Don't leave trash, whatever. Like, let them know. Right. But yeah. Anyway, the, from the times that I've been tracking or like walk through there, or whatever, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't even want to walk through here because it feels like I'm in some sort of fashion shoot. I start looking around. I'm like, oh, oh you're just surrounded. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, there's a camera there. I mean, like my father-in-law goes sledding through there, you know, like in the winter and, you know, we'll go hiking back or like go walking back there and we'll go quad yeah. and stuff. And the more I think about it, I'm like, man, we've probably been on like a million of these dudes' cameras like all the time. And I never really realized it until I started looking around back there. I'm like, oh my gosh, but it's all good. Like everybody, like they have the right to be there. I'm not mad about it by any means, but it's just funny because it's like, uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure on some of these spots. Yeah, and that's just the way it is. And and, and like you said, like oh, there can be. Yeah, I I frick man, I try and stay out of it. And sometimes you get caught up in it a little bit. And I don't know, but to be honest, yeah, uh, yeah by and large, I found most people are pretty pretty decent, and everyone's cool. Like by and large, pretty cool. So yeah, just the dudes that I've talked to that I know back there are all really nice. Like I've never, yeah got a problem with yeah yeah and that's the thing you just do your thing and yeah like it's it's sweet that we have this opportunity that we can hunt so close but yeah it also comes with the territory of you got to accept that like you're going to be surrounded by surrounded by people that are doing the same thing that you want to do and they're after the same usually they're after the same critters that you're after so well and it, it's how nice is it to be like you said so close to home right like for me it's like 10 minutes and i'll be there like yeah. In 15 minutes yeah. and I can be up in the tree. So it's like everybody wants to have that accessibility. Yeah, you so know I what? I can't blame anybody, you know, like that's 100%. I also think I've like wasted, like there's no such thing, I guess, as wasted time. But like because it's so close, I'll be like, oh, let's go sit. I sat in that dang tree so long. Even then, when it, maybe it's not like like that productive of a time to be there and like i don't know maybe i could get a little bit more strategic in my sits and spending my time but i just always feel like if i'm not there that's when they're gonna walk by and it's so crazy that bull hunting world sitting in a tree and like as much as people be like oh it's not that hard you just go sit in a tree and a deer walks by and you shoot it like oh it's hard to sit there and wait 
in the freezing cold for like basically a probably a one minute opportunity. Yeah, that's about it, right? Like you're waiting for, or maybe like what a deer's got to walk through your shooting. Maybe you have a couple shooting lanes, so a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. You you want you're waiting for one deer to walk through one spot, and you could be sitting there for hours on hours on hours in the cold. Like it's not easy sitting in those yeah. bloody tree stands, man, in the bow zone in November. Like I heard you talk about it. Like it's a great time to be out there because it's less people, but like it also. Oh, can yeah. suck and it's freezing and you're sitting there like you know hating life and i've got plenty of footage on my phone and video camera of me just like what am i doing with my life i'm sitting in this tree again and yeah. watching goes and nothing and why yeah. am i doing that like you know i just oh it's Ooh, it can be you... it's so frustrating but someday aaron i'm hoping it pays off that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because, and it will, and it's just funny. Well, <laughs> I'd say that to both like control your mind and mine. <laughs> yeah. That's you've got it. You got to stay positive, right? It will. Yeah. But because I'm it's... literally a funny, you're telling this and I'm like, I have a 100. Yeah. Like I 100% have been in that exact, like regardless if it's September or November, like, you know, passing F1 some does or some spikers and then being like a month into not seeing anything after that and being like, well, maybe I shouldn't have done passed up on that or whatever, you know, and it's like the mental back and forth, like maybe you don't have the same uh, mental exhaustion as like hiking through the Yukon or something or, you know, like, or the physical oh, yeah. mental exhaustion is that, but you still have that like, you know, I even am so guilty of being like, in the, and I think I mentioned it before, but I, I probably sound like a idiot too because i've debated doing the like the saddle hunting thing but i'm so bad mentally because i'll be like i'll be sitting in my tree stand and i'm debated <laughs> putting up like a, a second tree stand or like even if i saddle hunted the reason why i haven't gotten into saddle hunting is because i know that i'm going to be in one tree and then like two and a half three hours will go by and i'll be like you know what i got to be two kilometers over that way in that tree and then I'm going to get to that tree. Oh, and then I'm going to be, you know what? I should have stayed in the tree that I was at. And God forbid if I ever leave a trail camera there and I go back and there was a deer there when I left, like, <laughs> I'll freaking quit. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, there's hard. something to be said for having less land and less, um, what would you call that? Uh, brains shutting oh. down. Yeah, less options, right? Like if you have like one tree stand on one really good trail and that's your go-to and you consistently sit that one because that's your only choice, then you'll probably be successful. But I'm the I'm the same as you. Like it's a blessing and a curse that like where I've got access to hunt is a really big chunk of land for the bow zone. It's like, I don't know. It's like probably a couple sections of land it's huge and it's beautiful land it's it's like there's so many and there's like three separate different herds of deer and i'm sitting there just i i started bouncing man and then i say no be consistent and i sit in one spot and just see nothing and then i go okay it's time to move and then i find the deer and then i move and then man this year i moved a ground blind my buddy's like i'd move this ground blind to this bale i'm like okay uh Cause I, like I sat in the tree sand and I'd seen this deer come out by this ground blind, but I was like, I think he's going to go to this other trail. So I'm going to move that. So I ran out there. I threw the ground blind in, like moved it like 200 meters away. Like my target deer, I call them stickers, walked out. 
I watched him at a hundred yards right on that. If I'd have stayed in that left, that ground blind there, like it would have been, I'd at least got a shot. He would have been like 20 yards away. <laughs> and I just watched him. I watched him and another one. And it's just like the same thing you're saying. Like could have, would have, should have like timing and events, man, timing and events. Yeah. But so. one day it lines up and then it's unforgettable. And then you do it for the rest of your life anyway. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's all worth it then, man. Then we're then like that's what it's, it's all like all those hours of like second guessing yourself. It just makes it sweeter, I guess. That's that's how I console myself. It's like, yeah, it's all it's all gonna be worth worth it when it does happen. So no, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> just like I don't know. I still am indecisive about the saddle thing because of stories exactly like that. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, I, then you listen. Like I, I watched uh, Quaid there. Like he's like rocking that saddle and does really well hear. with it. Oh yeah, dude. but like then that guy shot a sheep after like how old is he? And he crushing sheep. So maybe he's just awesome at hunting. And I think they should <laughs> just accept that and be like, let he can keep the saddle and keep killing it, and I'll just keep doing my thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's always a dry spell for whether it's at the beginning or the end or whatever in the middle. Yeah. yeah there you go yeah but anyways no that's like that saddle is intriguing i've talked to a couple guys with uh with them and they they swear by them. they love them yeah so empty the sack but anyway man no i should uh i don't know probably let you go but i do want to just thank you again and yeah say that i really appreciated your time and yeah i would yeah. really love to have you on again in the future i love chatting with you man it's really enjoyable and really love to hear some more i was going to ask you what your plans are then this fall i guess i'd ask you that too before going but uh yeah you're trying yeah, to get no. your other daughter and a deer there you're trying to get both your daughter deer this year that well kind of so the, the, the youngest one the youngest one's 11 she won't be 12 so she's gonna we're gonna get her out after some some grouse i think and just and doing that nice. and so uh then yeah probably back with the the oldest one there she's still she's got the hooks in her so she'll be she'll be back um Doing my bozone thing. Well, my buddy convinced me to go for sheep again. So nice, he dude. got, he got, yeah, he got his sheep. This and I was like, year, this is the year, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. That, there, there's stories I could tell about sheep hunting and not getting sheep and seeing sheep. And anyways, yeah. So yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably hit up a sheep hunt here at the beginning. And then the bozone thing, I'd love, man, I'm probably going to do what I always do and just, fill my life full of hunting until I just can't stand it. And then in December I'll take a break. So I'll, yeah. well, my brother's, my brother's got a, a one, like a big uh, moose straw for down the prairies. Ooh, so nice. that's a, that's a big one. I I've been waiting and waiting to take him down to, uh, I got a friend who's got some beautiful, beautiful land down, um, in the battle river. And so, uh, it's a bit of a wait, but my brother finally, he's going to pull his draw. And so, uh, yeah, I can't wait to go with him. I'll I'll go with I'll take some time off and we'll go down. Me and him will go and chase. I'm trying to convince him to get a bow, but I think it might be a little bit too late in the game. So Yeah, for that um, specifically. Yeah, I'd love to like I'd love to go and call in a moose down there, but uh I think we'll I think we'll go with a rifle or he will and yeah. I'm just yeah, man, I'm just gonna do like I said, what I always do. Like I'll I say I'm gonna do this and then I'll end up with a giant pocket full of tags chasing every animal every opportunity I get and um 
probably switching tree stands way too many times. And like you said, eventually <laughs> it's going to happen. And yeah, man, I hope I can, uh, I hope I can send you or post a few success stories this year and we'll see. I didn't. Oh yeah. Like I said, like last year, man, fully committed to the bow other than the sheep hunt I went on and I, I didn't, I didn't harvest a single animal last year. And, um, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was the first time since I was fourteen years old. I haven't got an animal, so this That's year, good. this year's my year, dude. But yeah, I passed up a lot of critters, and yeah. it just didn't work out. So it is what it is. But yeah, I'm hoping this year things turn around, and oh, there'll be more stories to tell, and the, like it always is. And yeah, how about yourself? Are you? I mean, I know you're asking me, but you're chasing yeah, everything. Well, I was doing the kind of same thing as last year. I just find and like mentioned it's just tough with my son with how young he is to know how many days to take away or you know it's hard to yeah yeah get out all the time when he's that young so but it'll be a lot of yeah whitetail and moose at the in the bow zone and then in the general tags um i was nice. talking to adrian too from straight shooting outdoors because i was i've mentioned before that uh our neighbor's farm like across the road always is full of mule deer and they never cross the street and they never yeah that's deer. right <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking the guy's super nice i he's actually the dude i bought the boat off of he's such a nice guy so i don't know if he'd probably have any issue with me asking about i want to talk to him about permission about hunting his property because i'd love to spot and stock one of the mule deer on his property and try to do the old uh southern alberta method of trying to crawl up on one of those things real slowly but Spot and stock, man yeah and that's uh, awesome. do the classic uh, debate throwing a rock at the thing or something <laughs> but oh uh, that yeah shoot yeah. man i've spawn stock muleys I, and i've failed miserably and the one time yeah. we did my buddy got one it was pretty exhilarating but like yeah it's it, what a that's such a cool opportunity that we have that we can go do those things and yeah man i hope you get that that'd be so well, sweet but but you know, I'm gonna spook it, and then I'm gonna be like, "Oh, I should have been in my tree stand because I bet you there's a white tail over there." <laughs> but uh, don't even just don't even think like that, man. You know. Just it's not gonna happen. You're gonna get yeah. that mule deer buck the next day <laughs> or next time. You're gonna go up in your tree stand, and your white tail buck's gonna come by. Right. It's all just well, gonna, it's all gonna pan out for you, dude. But man, well, I appreciate and dude, this year I'm telling you, you're gonna the the year of the sheep. I'm telling you. Oh my goodness. I don't even, dude, I don't even like this. I don't, I just, I'm going for a walk. I might have a rifle with me. <laughs> and if there's, you know, I'm going to put in some time behind like the glass and uh, if it works, it works. And if yeah. it doesn't, I'll be happy with being in the mountains. And like, so I, that's kind of where I've at with my sheep journey. Cause I've, one thing you can't do is you can't like, well, yeah, I, I can't beat myself up anymore than Ooh. I am. So I'm just no. going to just go and enjoy it. If it works out, uh, and then I'm just going to move on with my life. And if I get yeah. a sheep, I get one. And then I'll just, anyways. I don't even like to talk about sheep anymore, Aaron, but it'll happen someday. <laughs> some, some, someday I'll come across the, the right one, and he will. Uh, I'll be freaking out. If it happens, I'll be freaking out. When it happens, I'll be freaking out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be freaking yeah. out as well, and I'll tell everybody. I'll let you know. Maybe yeah. I'll tell you the story at some point. Yeah. So, no, that'd be awesome. That'd be make yeah. sure a good episode too. But, yeah, man. Uh, well, and, and if we, uh, whatever, if you're, if you got some time and we, we can make it happen, we should go for a fish too. 
Dude, I would love to. I know we we're kind of talking about it would be super nice to get out and do some fly fishing too, even before the hunting season would be nice in the next month yeah, or two. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep in touch and like uh yeah, even if you have a day to rip out, man. Like yeah, we'll dude. just go. Or even like you said, like um uh like even in a pond, like I don't like we'll go hit up Mirror Lake and just Yeah. Flip some flies, whatever. Happen. Yeah, if that's yeah. all we can get to, it's still better than nothing. But yeah, whatever. And and uh, yeah, I guess like like maybe the last like we were chatting just very briefly about um uh about your faith and stuff too. We can chat about that stuff. And yeah, like I just yeah, that's another part of my life that we haven't even really got into. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't even have time to do it. But yeah, maybe we can talk more about that when we uh when we get out doing some fishing. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to, for sure, because that's something that uh, has been an interesting exploration for myself for, in the like, past few years, for sure. And then um, also ended up debating about doing the elk thing now, because there's a few general elk tags out there. And, you know, after hearing everyone's stories and everything, and then I, you know, got this enchantress from Slayer. And then I was like, I don't know if you've seen that or whatever, but. Man, I watched that and I was like, did you just pick that up? Like, were you that, did you just do that one shot wonder and you didn't even do a couple takes or did you do a couple takes? Cause you just picked okay. that thing out of the box and just nailed it. Okay. So I watched a few of the previews, like, or not yeah. previews. I shouldn't say that. So, uh, they do like that, um, like learn how to use your call for it's like a series they have on their website and it's just okay. all like really good instructional videos of like how to use all their stuff. And man, like they're double read. Uh, duck calls and stuff are like gorgeous calls like they make some insanely nice handcrafted calls oh, okay uh, and so i was like just watching some of that and like i knew i wanted to get the enchantress since i like seen the first ad and then uh when i like ordered and had it coming in the mail i was like okay i want to watch a few videos and was watching and it's pretty easy for how you can mm -hmm. like manipulate the button and then how you can like use your phones in general to to kind of to change kind of, it as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, it seemed pretty straightforward. And then, so yeah, man, pulling that out of the box, like, I'm not going to lie, I pulled it out before the video and like tried it and was just like, okay, cool. And then like turned on the video and did it. Nice. But it wasn't yeah. like, like, that's what I wanted to like almost really get out of that is like, dude. And I also have a video of my son like blowing through it and <laughs> he can make like a cow sound with it. And it's, and I mean, he's like two and a half years old. So it's like, I'll call her. There you go. You need somebody calling for you. But, but it's just like, I think <laughs> what I wanted to really like show is like how straightforward it is. Cause like sometimes you're like, friendly. Have, well, yeah, I don't have the time to be like, I wanted last year. I just about debated going for elk and it's like, I didn't, I didn't end up buying a tag or anything. I said no and like got yeah. that idea kind of last minute. But yeah. I was like, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, once I got this thing, because the same thing, like I haven't, I honestly haven't even ran like a in mouth, like read like that for bugling or for calling for elk at all. So I was like, dude, if I don't have the time to like learn how to use one and practice, like I might have to do something like this in Chantress. That's why when I seen it, I was like, okay, this is, could be just like a man that's for this year. That's and, the way to go, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm one of, wow. I, I think that's awesome what you just said. Like, so I suck at read calls, 
my friends, mm-hmm. I got elk hunting friends that that can make those elk things just purr. Like they just sound so good. But I, I go with like, like that enchantress looks perfect for somebody like me. And honestly, man, I called in, well, I've shot three elk and my, the last elk I shot, um, I sat there with a, I make it the bull crazy primos call. That sounds like, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's the same thing. You just put it in your mouth and blow it. And I sat there in a friggin' tree in the rain because it was just horrible. And I was blowing on that thing every like five minutes. And out of like nowhere, this giant, it was like a 300, I think he's 305, three, something like that. Like a nice bull comes just strutting out. I wish I had my bow. I shot him at like 40 yards with a 300 wind mag. Just, you know, beautiful elk. But like, yeah, I didn't have anything special. I don't know how to use a mouth read. I can kind of do it now, but like, that yeah. and then I use one of those like Montana bugly things, and I've called an elk. I'm no like world champion elk caller, but I I didn't have time to figure out this thing, just like you're saying. So like this enchantress thing that you're talking about, like that one that you had there, like perfect. And that yeah, that good. bugle tube that you just like, oh, let me just rock out this bugle. That'll call in an elk. These things yeah, aren't they're... geniuses. Like they're we're not hunting like high pressure Montana like. By and large, you're hunting elk that they sound like squeaky, shitty elk up in the north, right? Like, you're like I'm not. Someone's going to listen to this and be like, "You're an idiot." Like, you should get really, you're you're really good at a mouth read call, and then you'll call in way more elk. And I could, sure, man, hundred percent. You're probably right, but like, I'm just saying my experience. I had a tube, and called in I've my like whatever I'm no champion elk caller but I've called in two elk and like shot them both and using the same idea as what you've got there and it worked like a charm yeah and it, like that's even because you can get all the multiple sounds out of it like when I seen um like there's I think like a promo video like I don't think it was Bill it was Cody like McIntyre there that was doing like the promo video with it yeah and uh when I first seen that and I mean I know they've been doing a lot from advertising i'm thankful like they sponsor the pod and i do ads for them in the pod and i mean it's going to be at the beginning of this episode too but it's it's cool because they do a lot of advertising that's how i seen it was through all their advertising but when i seen that video i was just like holy the amount of noises you could get out of like a little like push button open mouth caller like it's pretty crazy like the design of it's pretty yeah man that's awesome and you could just take that thing out of a box like you yeah. said, and then that bugle tube, and you can go buy a general elk tag, rip up yeah. to a good elk zone, and you can call in an elk band and shoot it with your bow. And, and I mean, hopefully, but I think too, it's like it's no, it's gonna happen, gonna it's gonna happen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so, <laughs> dude. I'll tell you this I, I, I have like whatever, we're going rambly. I got a buddy, he's shot three elk with his bow. Before that, he has shot zero animals in his life, he just went up to the zone, put up a tarp walked out and he like i don't i don't want to say sucks at calling but he's pretty poor at calling yeah. and <laughs> called it a six by six elk like a big six by six bull elk and like it, it just honestly this is the one thing that i have learned about most things in the outdoors and just go yeah you don't have to be you don't have to have the best gear you, you know, buy the best you can afford. You don't have to have, be the best caller or the best 
at any of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. the, you don't have to have the best be the best fly tire or the best caster at you know with casting a fly line. Like just go, just yeah, go. Man. You can catch trout on a shitty cast. You can you can shoot big elk. My buddy shot a big seven by six, and he can barely squeak out a bugle, but he did. And yeah. like, look, like just go, just get out and enjoy it. And if you can make it work, just go. That's my opinion. And that's my like advice to people. And like, if you're debating, like if you're waiting for things to be perfect and you're waiting for all the, like to be the best at all these things, mm-hmm. you're going to wait too long. Just go and do it. Just get out there. That's, yeah. that's my advice. Anyways. I think that's such a great thing too. And yeah, like, you know, you can catch it on shitty flies or shitty, and so many people get so hung up on, gear and having the best of the best or oh you need this because it's going to shoot better or you're getting hung up on that or you know you get hung up in this and i even myself get a little bit hung up on that once you start going and shooting more and talking to more people and everything it's like shooting fine but then you're like well i could use that and use this and whatever and it's like it's a lot that's out there and there's a lot of market for a lot of things and some of it yeah has, has a lot of merit to what's good and what helps and but like you said at the end of the day whatever you can afford to get out there is more than enough. And, you know, like they set those, the parameters for legalities out there, like for the minimum, uh, like for the minimal, minimum, like draw weight, right? Like your bow sure. has to be more than like 40 pounds. Your rifle has to be bigger than, you know, two, two, three, 35, right? 35. The ABA went and got that, that uh, regulation change so that we could, it actually extends, older hunters that have poor weak muscles and it helps to the younger hunters. That's my, there my yeah. another shout out to the ABA. Um, yeah, man, hundred percent. Like you're right. Like there is regulations in place, like be ethical and do your due diligence yeah. and practicing. And, and honestly, if you're a, a geardo and you want to go out there and gear up and you want to like fine tune and that's awesome. And like, it yeah. just, it allows you to, it, I think that's cool too. Like I don't hate on nobody. Like that's great. Yeah. I'm going to do what I, I, I have time for and money to invest and, but that's, I'm not going to stop myself from going cause I don't have the best stuff. So, yeah. and I, you know, like someday I will have better stuff. Like someday I'm going to have a, I bug my butt. He just bought a Hoyt. Like maybe someday I'll have a Hoyt, but for now I, I'm going to shoot. I got a diamond, man. Like it's what I could yeah. afford at the time. And I'm probably going to upgrade next year, but I've shot four deer with it and I'll, Sick. I'll hope, you know, I'm going to hopefully shoot some more this year. And then next year, maybe I'll have a, man, I really want to get like one of those nice, like, I don't know, like those prime, like a boat. My dad's got a bow tech. Oh, it's so nice. But like, yeah, just not yeah, in, but- it's just not in the cards for me right now. So I'm not going to let it stop me from getting out there and hunting. Cause I don't have the, you know, the, the top mm-hmm. end of stuff. So, but like I have a bow tech too, and diamonds made by bow tech, right? Like, that's right. It's just the shitty uh, younger cousin. But yeah, it's like, like not even like. Do you have what do you have like the edge or something or like the yeah yeah. It's a it's a diamond edge. It's like a package bow from Cabela's, and I've had it for probably four years. My my truck. I had a bow tech, and my truck got st- stolen or broken into, and they stole it. And I was like, I wasn't gonna hunt that year, and then I was like, I didn't have money, and so then I I got some gift cards for my birthday, and then I saved up a few bucks, and I was like, went to Cabela's, was like. What do you got? And I, I picked this thing up and I've been like, it's no, it's no prize horse, but like she, she's doing yeoman's work, man. I got a few deer. Yeah, but, it, so. 
I know that boat pretty well because it has a similar riser to what I have from Bowtech or whatever. And it's because uh, I was looking at it too, and it's like you still have the whatever that slave together cam system or whatever oh, the binary cam system, right? So it's like yep. you still have two cams that are slave together. So you don't like tuning it isn't as difficult and it doesn't go out of time like very much at all. Like, dude, I haven't noticed pretty- any of that. Like, I, I, <laughs> paper tuned it before bear season this year just to double and it was like oh just a slight adjustment and it was bang, it was bingo bango like it was sweet and they're a single limb bow i used to think you needed to have a split limb bow because it would be better and then i started looking like apa and all these companies making single limb bows that are really good and do like so much more lightweight when it's a single limb for some reason at least is what i find like oh my bow is feathered yeah I really do actually, I'm a fan of that bow, even though it's not what I shoot. Like, I, there, I don't think there's a single damn thing wrong with that bow at all. Like, that's. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I know. Like, I, it's what? weird, man, because I even get like a little bit like, uh, well, I would say like almost self conscious shooting it. Like, I had a, I posted like a picture of my bow, and so I was like, oh, no, that for a new bow. <laughs> I was like, yeah, probably. But it shoots. Like, I still hit animals and kill them. So, it's like, what yeah. that's when you get in like exactly like we we're saying right you get way too much into the light and i get like that myself with you know oh i could have a nicer rifle or oh i should you know you almost don't want to post a picture because oh you know and it's like yeah but did you get out there and you made things happen and because again it's probably way beyond the legal draw limit you know what i mean like for oh yeah uh, this this for, you know, stinking bow zips up to can go up to 70 pounds how is that a thing with this little yeah. bow that goes like i'm like oh okay how is it? But whatever. Like I don't have it cranked up like that at all. Because man, sitting in a tree stand all day and then trying to pull back a seventy pound bow. Like who, who do I? Yeah. Think I that's not happening. Well, even then, that's another one. And I know we're getting rambling, and that's fine too. But <laughs> it's it's all good. But it's it's literally, dude. It's so important to say because so many guys. It's like the seventy pounds seems to be this marker. Like some guys shoot like ninety or hundred. Some guys shoot like. 50 or 60 but it seems to be like this everyone's like well you got to shoot 70 pounds like it's got to be like i don't know why there was when i got into it it was always this like why aren't you shooting 70 pounds or whatever right and it's like well, then I started why, why are you shooting 70 pounds like well I shoot, <laughs> like, like i'm not I a small it. man like i'm like i you know i train and like i could definitely pull back a 70 pound bow but like i don't want to i don't need to for well, shooting like maybe they're faster like i don't know somebody who's really awesome at archery could tell me all this stuff but well there's a lot of like math behind it and everything right but it's like like the, i really nerd out on the archery math for sure myself but i nice. like i put my i worked my way up to 70 pounds and then i when i got my new bow i like left it at 70 but then my strings broke in and then and like over time i haven't really checked it and i can guarantee i'm probably shooting like 60 62 pounds or something like it's let off quite a bit from what i originally have it had it set oh, okay um yeah but i'm more than happy with what like i keep debating like oh should i go and work it back up to 70 and i'm like this is what i'm comfortable shooting and this is what everything's like adjusted to right because every time you change that well then you're changing your pins and you're changing your sight and everything but it's like yeah it's exactly yeah. like you said if it's minus 30 and you're in your tree stand and you're going to shoot like that cold and you want to draw back it's like it's most important what you're comfortable with when that moment arises because if everybody puts the pressure on you oh you need to be shooting 70 pounds and then you totally blow it because it's freezing cold and you can't draw it back all the way and then you just flub an arrow out 10 yards <laughs> like you, you yeah can you imagine i can't even imagine like, 
no, no, thank you. Like I, like man, yeah, yeah, that would be devastating. So yeah, like, like you said, but like you know, there's there's guys out there that that's no big deal for them uh, to yeah, to do that. And like, and then maybe it would be no big deal for me too. But like, I think mine's set at like sixty two pounds. Yeah, and like that's what last I checked, and it might have dropped a little bit, like you said. But like, I don't yeah. know, like works pretty good. Like, <laughs> and so so. Until, until like, like I said, like, I'm going to use this maybe this year and then, and then bump up and then, yeah, like I obviously wanted to shoot something that's a little bit like, well, it's just also getting old and I'll save this and, and, uh, pass it down. Maybe or I don't know what, who knows, who knows, maybe somebody will want it, but like, um, yeah, yeah. I don't even know how we got onto that, man, but that was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out with this, this old beast and. Maybe, maybe this is the year she takes like, man, I've got, we've got some real dandy deer that we just have been, I, I'm getting the itch now to get out and start setting trail cameras. I've been seeing everybody else doing that now. Like yeah. it's, it's time, man, but I've got so much other stuff. I got holidays to do. And I'm like, oh, this deer, we'll have to find them. I'll have to find them later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm excited to see. I'm like so back and forth with trail cameras, and that's a whole nother topic we could. Go oh, on. dude, yeah, I think I heard you say that. Like, you're you're maybe not doing that, or and so I actually had a guy message in too that was listening. Um, it kills me now because I was going to reference his name when this came up, and that's why this could turn into a whole nother topic. Uh, but he's yeah. from in the states. He's like a listener from in the states in Wisconsin, and in Wisconsin, okay. I believe it's like okay, the bear has to be a male no matter what, and you know, bucks have to be. A certain amount of points and a certain size no matter what um so like there's all these well there's just you know in alberta we still have our rules and regulations and our laws and conservation between all the whatever all the tags and everything we buy right yeah. um and apply for but just down there what he was pointing out was yeah like for them he runs a trail camera because he wants to make sure like what he's chasing is like legal right right or that like or that he's not wasting his time like there's stuff in his unit that is like worth hunting that he's even allowed to hunt right oh okay and, yeah i see that and i'm like okay that's a really valid point because like in his instance he's like is this something i can even like it is it even worth sitting here is there something coming by i'm even allowed to legally take a shot at kind of thing so that makes sense but yeah it's the same thing as the and i'm gonna get because i like running trail cams i keep debating it again doing it again and whatever but it's the same thing as the tree stands with me man like now with oh, the bows yeah. like, like i know what's around my in-laws property i know if i see a deer again that i've seen the last few years like i know he's going to be a big buck this year and if no one shot him and i'm pretty sure no one shot one deer that i was looking at at the end of november last year like you know um pretty sure yeah he's going to be better this year and same thing if there's some moose kicking around like i know they're going to be nice this year you know and it's like but you never know. And who knows if they even migrate back through this year or whatever. I don't know. You know, so it's like, oh, that's true. Yeah. So, I can say the, the one thing that helped me was that like this year, mid season, I think I swat, I, I was like, I, I can't, this buck just disappeared. I, I couldn't find him, And so hmm. I took a trail camera, like an old school trail camera. And I went to this new Pete, like this place. I was like, I wonder what's over in this East side. I'm going to go check it out. Yeah, I found a trail, like an old trail. I was like, ah, like I'll just try it here. And he showed up. And so like he, sh he showed up, he'd been living over there for the last like 
month before. And I had like another big buck. I was like, Oh, I didn't even know these deer were here. They, they, they moved off. So I like grabbed another tree stand. I chucked it up there and that's where I never did get them, but like I had opportunities at them. And so like, he just helped me shift my focus mid season, I guess. Like, I don't know. Also, who knows if that's the best way, man. I I don't know. And and, yeah. I think for that purpose, it gives you good intel, right? And, like, I like that about trail cameras, like, scouting or, like, trying to figure out a pattern or behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. But, like, the last thing I was doing, like, I had a trail camera up the whole season last season. And the last thing I was doing was, like, checking it during the season. As much yeah. as that sounds goofy. I checked it all the time, like, religiously up to this season. Yeah. And then during, and during, I was like, I don't even want to know. And I was like, I was starting to get so pissed because I had that like month of not seeing much until I had like <laughs> the opportunities I did have and the shots I did take. It was just funny because it was like, I, I I had the first day where I seen like two does and a spiker and then I didn't see anything for a month. And that whole month I was like, I'm not even going to look at that damn camera because I was like, sure, sure shit, they're going to be around here. Like there's enough sign. There's poop. There's yeah, tracks. There's activity. That's a, that's a good there's like how long have you been hunting the bow zone or hunting in your area your spot there oh, just the last couple of years now like this is i'm pretty fresh in the bow zone myself so man there's some like bow zone studs that dudes that i know that like and, and people in general that like that the whitetails and the way they hunt them they've got to it like they're like a, it's like scientific for them and how like they're so good at this and they're so consistent it's like i'm trying to learn at that and, and deal with that but also like they, that takes lots of time. And like, just doing what you're doing is sounds pretty good, man. Just, yeah, you're going to, you'll get your deer. Like you said, like, and if he walks by and like, that might be the way to go. Maybe that's the way to go, but I'm going to go set some, some cameras up. <laughs> no, and that's fair. I just, yeah. I think it like, like, I don't want to hold out. Like, you know, I've had some success in there and I just, I don't want to catch myself holding out for like bigger bucks when I'm not trying to trophy hunt the bow zone. Like I'm still trying to fill the freezer or whatever. So it's yeah, like, true. I just want to take the opportunities that present themselves and let them be like unique opportunities and be like, Oh shit, you're here and you're right in front of me. You know what I mean? Not like, I like oh, that. That's the yeah. thing I've been taking pictures of for, like, leave it to like an element of surprise. It's kind of wacky. I get it for sure. But no, no, no. I think that's cool, man. That's kind of like, well, to be honest, like, like before trail cameras like that's basically that's hunting right like that's that's what you're doing you're finding the trails you're finding the 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 patterns as best you can and scouting with your eyes and and some of your knowledge and then putting in time and then when and then like you said that was really cool like that's a unique you're waiting for that unique experience that's that's sweet man i hope it works out and i think it's gonna (laughs) I yeah. appreciate that, but but yeah, part of me just doesn't want to see the like the cocky face of a white tail on, on my trail camera, like the one day that I couldn't go out that season or something. You know, looking at the camera like, haha. Like. <laughs> yeah, like I said, like when I I freaking had no idea those deer were over in that east side this year, and when I went and checked that trail camera, it was like I put it out there, and then like a week later, when they were hanging out there, like in October, like middle of the day, like not middle of the day, but like plenty of shooting light left. And I was like, huh, everywhere else was nocturnal and they were all hanging out here the whole time. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So that's too funny. There's no, like as much as you can pattern it or try to 
take in every strategy. Sometimes there's just no rhyme or reason to how they behave. It's like crazy. Yeah, that's that's hunt, man. That's animals. That's yeah. yeah. Awesome. But anyway, yeah, I, I just was like, I think I was like, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Like an hour ago, and then we just went off because. Oh, dude, we got rambling. I'm horrible at that. Like that's the thing, yeah. especially when I start talking hunting, I can just go off. And uh, well, yeah, it's like it's a yeah perfect uh, the perfect storm there. But yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on, and um, yeah such a cool platform i think yeah keep doing it i'll shout you out everywhere i go and so uh yeah i'm looking forward to hearing more more in the future and then yeah maybe we can ca- connect up sometime for, yeah, for something you're gonna be a busy man you're gonna uh, have all these people want to do awesome stuff with you you're gonna have to pick and choose but yeah if you want to go maybe we'll catch a fly fish or two yeah no i appreciate it and uh, i already got a little spring bears lined up with a couple guys next year it's going to be kind of fun we've been chatting nice. about doing that we're going to do a big i don't know if i want to leak this out and explain it all yet or whatever but we're in the works of yeah. doing like a like a, in the in the camp series of the podcast and we're going to all let's kind of, go yeah. i love it yeah maybe that's a little hint and i'll give like more details towards it as it gets closer because that's like a year away anyway so yeah I, I think that's awesome, man. The more and like the the more in person stuff too, like yeah, well, yeah. At the, but... the month, at the end of the month, there's going to be some in person stuff at uh, this hog and shoot. We got I got a few guys there that I'm doing in person there, and then yeah, I like to turn more stuff into in person for sure, and kind of grow it that way for sure. But yeah. yeah, well, this is handy because I'm sitting on my couch right now, and you're sitting at your house right now, like. We can yeah. still do this like this. We don't have to like set up a big event or anything, but like, yeah, that's so cool. Like a bear camp podcast series. Let's go. Like, that's awesome. Like, I love the idea of that. Well, like, I hope I don't spoil it. You know what? Maybe I'm just going to well, show how you. How about this movie. now? You, you have to do it now because you've let oh, it out. Dude. Like, it's not like well, it's going to happen. We're fully committed. There's a, there's a <laughs> bunch of us already. We're like, everybody's already like, okay, these are the dates. We're already like registering, but <laughs> oh sweet! Awesome. I don't want to like totally spill the beans, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be uh, a good. I'm just gonna, I'm time. just gonna let you talk this out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, man. That's awesome. I won't let you. I won't <laughs> harass you for details, but no, no, look forward to hearing. Uh, look forward be, to hearing that. Yeah, it's gonna be with uh, Twin Valley Outfitters there. I don't know if you oh, have them cool. on Instagram or not. Yeah, I think I do. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they, I think I do. They just came up with uh, like the great idea, and we all talked about. Yeah, like I've been wanting to, you know, find a good outfitter to pay and go and do a bear hunt with. So yeah, we talked about that, and there's a few different guys. I don't want to spoil again. Like I said, I'll just kind of mention the names probably throughout the next couple of months that we're all thinking about going and. Yeah, yeah and then sweet. It'd be sick to. Try oh, that's be awesome. for a week, and then. Yeah. But it, you know. It's tough because yeah. yeah, it's going to be busy, and but I still want to do stuff like go fishing with you with yourself, and yeah, you lost. Well, that's thing. the thing, right? Like, um, that's one thing about life is that it gets busy, and we we just have to fit in what we can when we can, and like, I, you know, if we can make something happen, let's do it. And it might not be a fly fish; maybe it'll be who knows. Maybe you got some time for a, a goose shoot one Saturday or something. I don't know. I'm okay. down to always like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty. 
you do what you can when you can. And like, you can, sometimes you can plan and plan it like this bear hunt thing. Awesome. That takes mm-hmm. like a year of planning, but if you yeah. got a Sunday and I got a Sunday, maybe we'll go do a something, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I'm down. I'd love to. And I feel like just even given this, like, man, we could, Got each other's ear off the whole time for sure. Holy so- shit, man! Yeah, it's yeah. Hey, there we go. We'd, well, it'd be perfect. Yeah, it's been great talking to you and getting to know you, man, and and uh, sharing some stories and and uh, yeah, uh, keep up the keep up the good work here. This is I love this stuff and keep the podcast coming. Uh, I got lots of traveling coming up, so <laughs> pump them out, dude. I want to hear more. I want to yeah, hear more, and I want to like yeah. I'm excited to to hear like to hear more of the like the local stories and and what guys are doing out there so yeah and i appreciate it again oh dude we didn't even talk about the cougar story and that one's gonna have to wait (laughs) it's gonna have to wait till next time dog yeah yeah i'm gonna have to have you on again 100 percent. and then uh hopefully with a sheep story just throwing that in there and then yeah uh, yeah i like the positivity i'm gonna have to throw you a, a picture of the the schedule for the podcast so you have some reassurance knowing that there's going to be a ton of pods coming your way because it's a bit of a shit show right now <laughs> yeah okay like, sweet well i might store some up then i'm going on holidays with my kids here i'll store some up for yeah. like i have a good long drive i can just it gets sweet they'll just roll from one to the next one to the next one yeah there will be lots going for sure so awesome well i can't wait support, man. yeah yeah so, yeah no yeah i I, I appreciate you giving me the platform to come talk hunting, shooting, fishing all night long, man. Oh, <laughs> it's awesome. hundred percent. That's what it's about. It's about, yeah. People like yourself, like just amazing Albertans that have done some incredible things and yeah, the stories. Yeah. Just normal dudes, right? Like yeah, normal dudes. Somebody asked me, they, the good person asked me at work. They're like, so why, uh, why are you going on this podcast? I was like, I don't know, man. I, I, I hope I feel like I got some cool stories, but yeah. I was just joking around with them. I was just saying, Hey, you don't think I'm cool. But yeah, like, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And I think it's, it's cool that all us normal everyday Albertans, we had to get a share of what we do and love and, and, uh, and also listen to all of the other cool, normal Albertan people and like the abnormal, awesome Albertan people. So Anyways, I'll so. stop rambling and let you uh, let you get back to doing whatever you're doing. I should probably take care of this dog of mine and get on with the rest of my night and get ready to go for holidays. Yeah, man. Well, you enjoy it there, and yeah, thanks again. Yeah, you have a great night, Kyle. Thank you. Yeah, you bet, Aaron. You have a great night as well. Well, thanks. Take care. Yeah. See you, dude. Bye. Bye.